It's time. Finally, a show for you. A once-a-week extravaganza, giving you the weekend's movies, the week's cons and entertainment events, what is worth watching on television for the week, the weekly comic book, novel, game, and collectible releases, as well as entertainment news and information. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture. It's Pop Culture Kaboom with your host, Jimmy Jones. Hello, world, and welcome to the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show. Spencer Stoner is here. Rob Nalt is behind the big board and prepared to take your calls. And I, your Nazlahoma host of all things Pop Culture Kaboom, Jimmy Jones. Kaboom. 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 Uh, con. Well, well <laughs> I'm here to run my mouth. Tonight, we will give you everything you want, everything you need from pop culture entertainment. And uh, the reason why that was so weird, I, I don't know if everybody caught that, like right when uh, the, the show was coming on um, the two uh, little lead-ins kind of cross-mixed right. and mm-hmm. kind of had this weird, like, evil dead uh, <laughs> kind of synchronicity to it. Yeah. Well, I was looking up recipes from the world of H.P. Lovecraft at the time. Oh. <laughs> right when that happened. Oh. That's oh. why I was, oh, like, okay. was going to lead in with that. And uh, that happened. And I'm like, whoa, that was kind of weird. Yeah. And yeah, definitely, uh, yeah. synchronicity. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, the recipe. As long as you didn't try to pronounce anything in the recipe, we should be okay. Not yet. But I was just kind of fascinated because I saw this book over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, the recipes from, well, not over the weekend, over the, this past week, I saw recipes mm-hmm. from the world of H, the world of H.P. Lovecraft by Olivia Luna Eldridge. And I was thinking to myself, I would not eat anything out of this book. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when I think H.P. Lovecraft, fine cuisine is not one of the first things that pop into my head. Well, well not even snack food. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that you don't want for, like, you know, like, extra-dimensionally like, eating. Tentacles with something. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it's like what are the 101 recipes for unagi? What? <laughs> Eel. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, unless you want something like your thalamus gland sprouting something, I, I just... That's what I mean. Yeah. A lot of stuff with tentacles? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does not sound appetizing to me. A lot of fish, Well, wait, it's H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, not hentai. Or, or are they one and the same? <laughs> Who knows? But well, anyway... I, I drive you about the same amount of crazy. I kind of now lost what I was going to be even bringing that up for. But anyway... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it's an bo- interesting book. Make an interesting little conversation piece, I guess, for uh, your yeah. Christmas party, your New yeah, Year's so Eve party, or even uh, an interesting <laughs> Christmas gift. So you have a fan just of leave H.P. Just it on the coffee table. Yeah. Just say nothing. Yeah, <laughs> just, just have it out there. Or, for, or, for your fans of H.P. Lovecraft and cooking all at the same time. What a, per- oh, what a Christmas oh, gift. Oh, or even better, have it out on your kitchen counter while you're cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, okay, say nothing. Like, Is there any out. recipe names or anything? Um, you know what? I didn't look that up. Let me look that up. Hold on. Because, I mean, that would, you know, that would kind of, like, see, like, what we're yeah, like, so looking as at. As long as there's something like... Oh, oh, there's all kinds of interesting stuff in here. Ribs okay. or something, you know? <laughs> uh, here's the synopsis for it. This is always okay. fun. Uh, whether you're looking to prepare a casual meal for friends or host a lavish horror-themed party, you'll find the recipes you need in recipes from the world of H- of H.P. Lovecraft. With simple breakfast dishes to kickstart your adventures, refreshing light meals to keep you on the run from otherworldly de- deities, and main dishes for when you've made it home safe, more than 80 bone-chillingly delicious recipes will draw you into the mysterious world of the Cthulhu mythos where the great old ones are waiting for the right moment to rise from the depths of your soup, I mean, uh, and gather for a feast. 
That's all it says about it. the depths of your soup. I added that part. I added. Okay. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, when, when you add them. Um, I cannot, there, no, they're not disclosing anything um, oh. that I want to go into trying to find while I'm trying to do a show. But, yeah, there's a, um, mm. ooh, 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 no, these are the Necronomicon recipes and rights. Whoa. Okay. I'm huh. not going into that one here. All right. <laughs> so we have Evil Dead versus Cthulhu. All right. Uh, yeah, okay. So, okay. I'll so stick with my Disneyland stuff. recipes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like going home and watching Bambi and drinking hot cocoa. I'll watch Bambi too. Bambi, <laughs> or Bambi God versus Godzilla. I think I'll, I'd rather watch that one. We can watch that one right now and not and not well, burn any shit. I'm confused as to why Bambi. I don't know because it just felt so wholesome. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was after, like, <laughs> well, yeah. After talking Lovecraft, you know, yeah. a, a little palate cleanser may not be a bad idea. Exactly. That's what I thought. All right. So tonight we will be joined by Quizmaster Scott of Sporkle Pub Quiz with Scott for our weekly Sporkle Pub Quiz question. You can win a gift certificate to Dreamwell Comics in Carson City or two tickets to see the advanced screening of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom at Galaxy Theaters in Carson City on. Thursday, December 21st, and provide you a list of, uh, oh, whoops, I skipped ahead, didn't I? Quizmaster Scott Jones will be on to ask you a multiple choice question and provide you a list of possible answers. Call into 775-515-4141 with the correct answer, and you win. Guess the right answer, and guess the wrong answer, and we hang up on you, but quickly call back in the end, guess again, before someone else beats you to the call. And uh, when someone guesses the right answer, that person wins. Uh, like last week, we had somebody call and get it right off the bat on a question. Yeah. I yeah. apparently was the only person on the entire planet that didn't know. But anyway. Yeah, but, you know, that does kind of balance out because one of the very first questions didn't get answered until, like, the very, very, very end of the show. Yeah, by Crystal. And she got her free tickets. I don't know mm-hmm. what she's going to go. Well, actually, no, she won it for the pub quiz. Uh, to, yeah. But uh, so, so she's going to end up with some free tickets. Um, where was I? I'm getting lost so easy this week. Yeah. Okay. So, and uh, so, and that person wins. You can't win unless you call, and you can't call unless you are listening. It's that easy. Uh, Tony Sanfilippo of Filippo's Horrible Reviews will be joining us to go over the coming mov- movie releases. And our special guest this week has a huge resume of blockbusters he has worked on from Green Lantern Twilight, The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Parts 1 and 2, Geostorm. He even worked on the Fantastic Four, not the good one, unfortunately, if there was one. <laughs> um, he also worked on Geostorm, Scream, the TV series, Deja Vu. And the list goes on and on. There's so many I can, can, I can continue to list them. Uh, the one and only actress, screenwriter, and director, Justin Grutch, through the, his company, Grutch Entertainment, on December 15th. Yes, that's this Friday. Uh, Terra Films will be releasing Justin Grutch's latest film, Zero Hour. And Justin Grutch will be on the Pop Culture Boom radio show to tell us you all about writing, directing, and acting in Zero Hour, and Justin Grutch's and Grutch, Grutch Entertainment's 15-plus upcoming projects he has coming up in the next year or, two, year or two that he can talk about without violating any of those pesky NDAs. The bane of my existence. This is a conversation <laughs> aspiring screenwriters, directors, actors, and anyone looking to break into the film industry 
will want to be a part of. So if you have any questions about the film industry, this is probably the best person I know that you would want to ask any of your questions. So be prepared to call if you would like to, if, when he is on, if you have any questions about the film industry. I'm sure he would be more than happy to answer your questions. Yeah, because he's been involved in every level, it sounds like, from big blockbuster to indie projects. So. And, yep, and everything in between, uh, move, blockbuster movie to uh, blockbuster uh, TV shows. Right. So to add your thoughts, comments, talk about your favorite fandoms, or speak with our guests, 775-515-4141. And that number is good from anywhere in the world. If you are too shy for the phone, though, you can send me a DM through the Facebook Facebook page if you don't have time to comment during the show. But you would still like to comment. You can reach us 24-7 by sending an email with your questions, comments, or concerns. Send your email to popcultureboom at gmail.com. And follow these simple but very important instructions. In the subject line, put question, comment, concern, or my fandom. In the body of the email, please add your first name. No last name is necessary. And I will not read emails on the air. Also include the city and state or the city and country that you live in. Then fire away with what's on your mind. I respond to each and every email. If you have a specific question for Spencer or Rob, I will forward the email to them to respond back to you. Bear in mind, emails are read on the air unless you specify for them not to be, or you cannot follow those very simple instructions. All right, first up, from James in Taft, California. Hello, James. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's listening, but right now, anyway. But, yes, hello, James. Uh, your comments about Godzilla were funny and spot on. <laughs> First time I had ever seen a Godzilla movie in the theater that wasn't MonsterVerse related, and I don't count that horrible Matthew Broderick God movie as a Godzilla movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> I completely forgot about it until I read this email, actually. Uh, the Human Story was the biggest surprise, best writing in a movie in such a long time. I think he missed a word there, but I'm not an English major, so I don't care. Uh, James Gunn, I hope you watched and learned something, because this is exactly what DC on the big screen needs. I guess he was referring to a well-written story. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I completely agree with right. that. So, James Gunn, I hope you did watch it and learn something. Uh, people got mad at me, actually, because uh, between Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and Guardians of the Galaxy 2, um, when I heard they were coming out with Guardians of the Galaxy 3, mm -hmm. I made a comment that people got mad at me about because the inconsistency in writing between 1 and 2 mm -hmm. going into 3 and uh because with Ego claiming he was the only uh, Celestial, mm -hmm. after watching, after he introduced the Celestials in Guardians of the Galaxy 1, with the, you know, and they were destroying planets because of the Infinity Stone. Mm -hmm. the, and uh, then, uh, then in 2, he had Ego saying that he was the only Celestial. I think he was the only one left. No, because they showed up in the Eternals. But anyway, but so. the eternal uh, the eternal took place like way before. Mm, no, but anyway, way before what? Like I mean, all the other ones because they were like there before. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I wish I could speak intelligently on this one, but I never bothered to watch the Eternals. I haven't heard anything good about I've, it. That one, I, that one, I've only seen once. So it's that's not, all you need to see it. <laughs> it's not one that like I know. I remember like all the. You know, yeah. Nobody knows all the Eternals. I mean, there are some people who at least know some of their names, but I don't know anybody who's like intimately familiar with the Eternals lineup. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, the point though is, is that <laughs> if he's going to show the Eternal or the uh, Celestials, mm -hmm. um, and then in the very next movie, because he wrote both movies, mm -hmm. 
So, well, but the whole thing with ego is, is that the universe was formed and then I came into being and I looked around and I was the only celestial around. No, you weren't. I mean, they, they, he clearly showed the other celestials destroying other planets. Well, and yeah, other he really, he really so. changed ego's origin from the from comic the comics. Book, yeah, by he was a an lot. El- he was yeah. an elder well, all being... the origins have been changed from the comics. Well, yeah. <laughs> well I know, but uh, but yeah, but uh, it, with that, he created inconsistencies with the MCU universe, and that's the problem. It, it was kind of a, a anyway, domino effect. Little little inconsistencies, and now it's. Anyway, the point, I, but the point of the whole getting, story. People are getting mad at that. It's no, just dumb. The, 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 what they were getting mad about is the point of the, the whole story is, is that I'm like, they're all, well, he's going to be doing a Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I'm like, well, I hope he rewatches 1 and 2 so he doesn't mess up anything. Or, <laughs> <laughs> and like, what are you talking about? Well, and I pointed that out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? What do you mean? He didn't write that. Blah, blah. I'm like, forget it. I don't want to get into this. <laughs> anyway. All right, Daryl or Darnell in Lexington, Kentucky. I wish hello, I had, Darnell. huh? I said hello, Darnell. I wish I had all the time to sit around and watch the amount of TV and movies that you do. Honestly, do you DVR all these shows, watch them through on demand, or when they air? Either way, I have a regular job, so I can't go to movies, con cons, and watch TV on a regular basis like you do. All right, Darnell. Well, that was well, uh, we underhand. can't go to everything either. But between the three of us, we kind of have to catch I have as much a regular as we can, job. And yeah, it's called uh, time management, Darnell. Yeah, and sometimes like I'm watching stuff by myself at ten o'clock at night, and well, my yeah, wife mm-hmm. is asleep. Yeah, and we and we all have different tastes, so we all hit things we we prefer. You know, like you like Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Star Trek Discovery. You know, you like the Godzilla movies, and and. And and, ba- and bad horror and such, Damn. and then and, and, you know, and, and I like anime. Comment too. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, but the point the point I'm making is that we all kind of we hit everything we can, but none of us can watch everything. Yeah. Well, well, and to answer his question is, I, I don't own a DVR, but I do watch a lot of streaming. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, but, a lot uh, of streaming. Uh, yes. You know, there's just different times of the day to watch certain things, and. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't usually – there's very few things that I watch uh, right when it airs because uh, mm-hmm. I do also work a regular job. Um, but uh, I don't know. That was kind of snide of you to say there, um, Darnell. But, well, yeah, uh, it's like is he, is he saying – is he insulting us for having too much time on our hands or is he envious of us for having so much time supposedly I, I on our hands? I honestly my, don't care. I, I pay money for my streaming services, so I use them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just make time to watch stuff if I can. So uh, if you don't like it, uh, so I don't know what to tell you. Peggy in San Ramon, California. Hello, Peggy. I don't know where San Ramon is. Oh, I actually worked there. It up. Where is that? Um, it's kind of um, on the way to Livermore. Oh, okay. From San Jose. Uh, any word on if Johnny Depp is doing any new movies? Haven't really heard anything since the whole issue with Amber Heard. <laughs> I, I don't work for Johnny Depp. I don't know. I, I honestly, uh, I haven't seen anything in the news either, so I don't know if anything. Well, he has going done on. at least one movie since uh, since then. I can't yes. remember what it was right offhand. Yeah, yeah. it was a, a foreign movie. You know, so it wasn't, he's, it he's wasn't just... in the Hollywood system. And supposedly he's been linked again to star again in the Pirate of the Caribbean. Yeah, so they've given him yeah. 300, 301 million and like however many llamas he wanted. Um, yeah. He really wanted llamas? Uh, it was llamas or sheep or something. It was a joke that he made during – because uh, during the trial he's basically like, I wouldn't go back to Disney right now for, for $300 million and like 100 llamas or something. Okay. Yeah. So 
You know, they obviously gave him three hundred one million and whatever many llamas he wanted. I thought he was like doing going seriously. No, probably the, the fact that he has no other projects, Irish farming or something. I don't know. <laughs> and, yeah, and, <laughs> apparently well, he's not a very social person because I have no. heard him. Oh yeah, he's, he is he, apparently he's painfully not. shy. Yes. Yeah. So okay. Well, and then and right now his daughter is like the focus of a lot of new stuff too. Yeah. I mean now, well, and he is still the face of Savage. Mm. The most popular male, uh, per, per and he does Fente too. Yeah. Er, Erica in Whittier, California, just commented, uh, "Disney is casting him in New Pirates." So yeah, see. Yep. <laughs> there you are, uh, Demetrius. Speaking of California, another one from California, Demetrius uh, from uh, his name. Just the way it's spelled, it looks like very Roman, like. <laughs> Ancient Roman. Mm. Anyway, Demetrius from Los Angeles, Hello, California. Demetrius. Uh you guys are great. Thanks for making Sunday nights interesting. You're welcome. Oh, we, we do do our best. Thank you very much. We try really, really hard without yeah, scripting some of us or a lot doing any kind of show prep. <laughs> Dang, man. What the <laughs> The underhanded comments this week. Anyway, uh, so those are the emails this week. Uh, let me see. The only thing I know of that's uh, any kind of pressing news before I go any further with anything, since we're any all kind of short on time. News. Um, let me see. Uh, Ryan Reynolds got himself in some hot water for all the uh, leaks and everything for Deadpool three. Oh, so yeah. oh yeah, and he was and he was trying to tell people, hey, you know, I, I understand wanting to be in the know, but stop, please. <laughs> Now, did he get in trouble or did somebody else? Because he's pretty much the one behind all of the leaks that I know about. Well, (laughs) he has never claimed responsibility for the initial leak that got the first Deadpool made. But there there was somebody there was a a Ryan Reynolds shaped shadow that was taking credit for that. (laughs) He always. But see, and that's the thing. Like, that's also part of the Deadpool thing, too, is that there's going to be because there was like always like these little cheeky moments that he had. Mm-hmm. as Deadpool and they were were they leaks not necessarily you know because like the people thought they were leaks at the time but then they ended up having nothing to do with the movie you know yeah and then uh so and as particularly with the first movie they had no mar- they had no marketing budget so he did yeah. a lot of stuff on his own to try and really I, help get the the word out right but i think what it is is too is that there's been a lot of people taking photos on the set not necessarily him, like, because in the past it's been him, like, going, ooh, hey, guys, look at this. And, like, he'd yeah. just send a picture of, like, a director's chair with somebody's name on it, yeah. you know. Um, like, those like those were, like, his kind of leaks. Yes. These ones are more like someone's taking a photo of so-and-so on the set and, yeah. you know, oh, that was supposed to be secret. Like, we, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. People are really paying attention to that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah mean, it's the only Marvel movie coming right out now. next year. You know, <laughs> there were, there's so many bad leaks from, like, Endgame and stuff where they'd, like, show, like, somebody would Photoshop, like, Doctor Doom oh, yeah. on the set and everything. I was like, I don't, yeah. I'm sur- I don't know why people even pay attention to any of that stuff anymore. Yeah, well, so the, I always thought AI, it was just, like, yeah. Ryan Reynolds doing his, like, oh, this is Deadpool, you know, kind well, of goofy And that's how it when, used to be, but that's, but, because he actually had to come out and, like, address it, like, you know, like, and that's where you were getting the thing, like, hey, guys, let's, you know. <laughs> See, I think it should just be, uh, so I was under the assumption it was just Ryan Reynolds being Deadpool. Well, there's some Deadpool, of that, goofy and stuff. there's some of the photos that are leaking. I think it should just do a, like a Deadpool thing that says, you know, I'm getting in trouble for the leak, so I'm going to just do one final leak, and you should, like, just have everybody who's going to be in the movie their name with their character name in Aramaic and have it like scroll really fast <laughs> on the screen and that's the trailer. Yeah, yeah, I, like, I like to putting it in Aramaic. Nice touch there. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it would take people so long to try and get it translated that they, nobody would ever know. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> and that would be so Deadpool, wouldn't it? It, it would. It so, would. Yeah. Cool. And then, that, um, yeah. what is it? Uh, Marina Baccarin. Uh, I think that's how you say her name. Yeah, Marina Baccarin. Yeah. yeah, she's coming back. She actually just announced that she's coming back for the movie. Aww. So As Deathstrike. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it? Well, it'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah, it would. All right. With that being said, it is time for us to take that hard first break. So when we get back, more Pop Culture Kaboom radio show, and it'll be time for the, uh, until Reddit gets it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Eric. Uh, It'll be time to uh, talk with Quizmaster Scott. So be ready. Get your dialing fingers ready if you want to win. Either a gift certificate for Dreamwell Comics or those Aquaman movie tickets. We'll be right back after this, so don't go anywhere. So, it is time for the Sporkle Pub Quiz with Scott. And joining us right now is Pubmaster Scott to participate in the Sporkle Pub Quiz with Scott. First off, anyone can participate. Pubmaster, uh, Quizmaster Scott will be asking you a multiple choice question and provide you a list of possible answers. Call in 275-515-4141 with the correct answer and you win. Guess the wrong answer and we hang up on you. But quickly call back and guess again before someone else beats you to the phone call. And once someone guesses the right answer, that person wins. You can win unless you call and, and you can't win unless you call and you can't call unless you are listening. And what you can win tonight, tonight you can win a gift certificate courtesy of Dreamwell Comics in Carson City or two tickets to see the advanced screening of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom courtesy of Galaxy Theaters in Carson City for Thursday, December 21st. And with only 14 days left until Christmas, both prices would also make great Christmas gifts. And hello, Quizmaster Scott, how are you? Hello, how are you doing? I'm all right, how's you? So what is the big quiz question of the week? All right, the quiz question of the week is, in the 1993 hit science fiction action adventure film, Jurassic Park, the T-Rex's signature roar was created with a combination of an alligator, a lion, and an elephant. However, the low growl, and clicking the TX makes while investigating the cars around its enclosure were based on which animal? We got A, an ostrich, B, a kimono dragon, C, a koala bear, D, an opossum, or E, a honey badger. Okay. So, Spencer, write down your answer now. Is it A, an ostrich, B, a komodo dragon, a C, a koala bear, a D an opossum. Uh, now is that a, a like a normal opossum or an American opossum? I I'm thinking an American opossum. <laughs> okay, or or E a honey badger. Okay, my answer is written down. Okay, uh, Rob, let me see your answer. I am, I am not I am not confident in this answer. Okay, and Rob, what do you got? Okay, so uh, we've done this four times so far. This will be number five and. Uh, for the first time ever, Spencer's wrong. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't feeling confident in my answer this time around. <laughs> and Rob, you are wrong as well. 
So, but if you think you might know the answer, or if you'd like to try and give it a shot, 775-515-4141. So, uh, what made you come up with this one this time around? I mean, this is a, it's kind of an older film. Um, so, Eric's going with the wrong answer as well. So, <laughs> try again, Eric. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know how sometimes you're just sitting there scrolling through uh, uh, stuff on Instagram, uh, um, one of the uh, pages I, I subscribe to is the Stan Winston uh, uh, Instagram page, and of course he was uh, one of the most brilliant special effects. Yeah, most guys of his stuff still stands and, up. To, to and he worked there. on uh, Jurassic Park, and they were doing an interview with the guy who uh, who came up with the sounds for the dinosaurs, and he was talking about what animal he used at the San Francisco Zoo to make those uh, growls and clicking noises. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder what made him, like, pick that critter, though. I mean... Well, you know, it's kind of weird how they just come up with random sounds, too. Because, like, uh, with Lucasfilm, you know, they came up with... uh, <laughs> they, exactly. came, they, they came up with the, the blaster sounds for uh, you know for the Tie Fighters and stuff just by drag, like dragging a wrench across the across the steel cable, and you know it's just it's just weird the things that you come up with to make up a new noise. I know, right? Well, think of foley artists and like what foley artists use to come up with noises. Oh yeah, crashing you know cars, whistle you know they yeah, they yeah. don't use the normal everyday things. Yeah, chopping cabbage to to simulate uh, severing a limb off mm-hmm. yeah, in horror movies. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <laughs> so I I know that uh, you know Godzilla is kind of big and he has a very iconic roar. Every anybody would close their eyes and would recognize that immediately. Um, what makes uh, Godzilla? What how, what they do to make Godzilla's roar? You know, I know it's a cello, and it was something that was uh, rubbed against a cello to make the noise. A cello? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. Never would have yeah. thought that. Actually, uh, another f- interesting uh, piece of trivia in that regard, in the video game Super Metroid, all the bosses use different uh, different uh, roars from Godzilla movies. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, like uh, Dragon is Anguirus. That's copyright infringement. Okay. <laughs> well, it's Japan. Who knows? They have different rules there. Oh, yeah, they do. Oh. I'm sorry. It was a uh, leather glove coated in pine tar resin dragged across a double base. Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay. Well, all right. Okay, Scott. Well, thank you very much, sir. And uh, we will... Uh, Keep the phone lines open, so if anybody would like to get either a gift certificate for Dreamwell Comics or two tickets to see the advanced screening of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom on an advanced screening for 3.30, I believe, or 3 o'clock on Thursday, December 21st, uh, just give us a call, 775-515-4141. The question is, in the 1993 hit science fiction action adventure film Jurassic Park, the T-Rex's signature roar was created with a combination of an alligator, a lion, and an elephant. However, the low growls and clicking the T-Rex makes while investigating the cars around its enclosure are based on which animal? A, an ostrich. B, a Komodo dragon. C, a koala bear. D, an opossum. 
E. Honey Badger. Uh, call with your answer. Remember, if you get it wrong, you can call right back and try again. Once you once an answer is given, it is stricken off of the list until only the correct answer is remaining. So uh, give us a call. And uh, Quizmaster Scott, thank you very much, and we will talk to you next week. You're welcome. Good luck, people. Alrighty. Uh, okay, and we will on with the show. This is it. You know what that's from? That sounds familiar, but I can't place it right Looney off Tunes. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> mm. Okay. All right. So there are now only 272 days until Carson City, Nevada's first ever pop culture and comic book convention, Kaboom Con. 97 to Now Productions will be putting on Kaboom Con Saturday, September 7th, 2024, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Follow Kaboom Con on Facebook to keep up with the details on all of the vendors, sign up for the art contest and the cosplay contest. Keep up on all of the activity announcements and panels that will be taking place throughout the day and special guest announcements for KaboomCon2024. A limited number of pre-sale tickets will be going on sale January 1st at midnight through Eventbrite.com. And a portion of the proceeds from KaboomCon will go to Cold Nose Rescue and Sanctuary in Mount House and KNBC 95.1 FM Community Radio. So, the big story this week, Marvel has reached a settlement agreement in a legal battle over the right to franchise characters Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. In a new report about the case, it's being said that Marvel managed to come to terms with attorneys representing the company and estate of comic book creator and icon Steve Ditko, this week ending a wider net of legal challenges going back to 2021. The original case started with a back-and-forth battle between Marvel and the estates of the late comic book creators Gene Colan, Steve Ditko, Don Heck, and Don Rico, with characters like Iron Man, Spider-Man, Daredevil, Captain America, Thor, Black Widow, Hulk, Doctor Strange, and other all-in-connect contention. In June of this year, most of the lawsuits were settled, except for the portion of it involving Ditko's estate. The final portion of the legal challenge continued with Marvel being represented by Dan Portrocielli and Molly Lenz of Olevely, the representative for Ditko's estate. Patrick Ditko was represented by attorney Mark Tobleroff. With his this latest settlement, why do all the lawyers have to have the worst names? It seems <laughs> that Marvel has finally cleared up the issues with its characters' rights in full. Ditko's estate has been holding out over rights to issues of Amazing Fantasy and Strange Tales. The two comic book titles that served as the first appearances of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, respectively. No word on the terms that Marvel and Ditko's estate have agreed on, only that it is and I quote, an amicable settlement, and that we can expect a stipulation of dismissal with prejudice to be filed in the coming weeks. Hmm. End quote. There's been a lot of debate in the last few years about how Marvel has made its library of characters into bigger and more profitable brands via the MCU movies and TV series without the original comic creators being being sharing in these profits, being sharing in these pro- in those profits. Like with the 2023 actors and writer strikes, the central debate has been further or n- whether or not creative deals made in the pre-internet era were still fair and valid when there are now so many other platforms and lanes of distribution for content. Or in the case of comic creators, significantly more potential profits from their characters 
than they ever could have dreamed of going forward. It will be interesting to see if more comic book creators from different publishers all filed similar suits or if there is now some kind of equilibrium that's been established for the foreseeable future. Mm, it would be interesting to see if DC kind of picks up whatever system Marvel's developed for that. It would, or if, uh, say, like, uh, well, it depends on uh, which characters, like, uh, um, you know, like if Batman or if, like, Superman has Yeah, yeah, like the Seagull one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, those have gone are so far back now, it's like, uh, you know... Superman's like 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Same with Batman's. Batman's like in the 40s. Yeah, they, so they were 80 some years ago now, yeah. Yeah, getting close to that, uh, you know, 110 year mark where it's going to be a public domain anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Who knows? Indeed. So um, we're going to be covering this in, in here in the future. So you might want to add this to your list. So DC's Batman has continued to forge a path all his own, creating a very unique history over the past near century of being in comics and other media. As the newest crossover comic involves the Dark Knight reveals, his history includes a connection to one of the most iconic figures of popular culture. Yes, that's right. Batman has a tie to Santa Claus. <laughs> of course he does. Uh, spoilers for Batman Santa Claus Silent Night number one, uh, but also a collector alert. Uh, the issue follows Batman Zantana and the Bat family's investigation of a string of holiday themed killings, which they believe are caused by some sort of supernatural creature. The ruckus draws the connection to Santa Claus, who rides in on a reindeer to help. So, hmm. Santa and Batman quickly exchange pleasantries as the latter reveals that he trained under Santa during his globetrotting quest for uh, knowledge. Of course he did. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he hasn't been a curmudgeon Scrooge or, you know, for 80-plus years. Yeah. Maybe that explains why he's so <laughs> gloomy. Um, yeah. <laughs> While he doesn't get into the specifics... He reveals that some of Santa's tricks are things he still uses today. I guess going down chimneys. And oh, stuff. probably like the disappearing <laughs> on Jim Gordon thing. Or they they touch his nose and he disappears yeah. up the chimney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Batman's going to be doing that now. Yeah, in, in the Marvel universe, Santa Claus is an Omega level mutant. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so interesting to see how DC handles kill a robot on Futurama. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's voiced by Coolio, right? Was no, it? no. Coolio voiced the um, Quanzabot. The Quanzabot, okay. yeah. <laughs> you didn't know that? Oh no, I, I did, but it still it still makes still me laugh funny? every time oh, I yeah. hear it. Okay. The Quanzabot. Yes. Okay. Uh, he, well, he doesn't get into specifics. He re- reveals that some of Santa's tricks are things he still uses today. This revelation surprises the Bat family, whether didn't know about this connection or who. In the case of Nightwing, thought it was just a fun bit of folklore. Mm, okay. <laughs> well, now they all know who to get mad at when they didn't get the right presents from Santa. <laughs> yeah, because Wayne Industries can afford anything. And DC wonders why their sales are down. Because anyway. they have tie-ins with Santa. Mm-hmm. Horrible tie-ins with Santa. So the first mission for Bucky Barnes and his new team of Thunderbolts successfully neutralized a major Marvel villain. Again, this is a collector's alert. Uh, Bucky Barnes is no longer the Winter Soldier, having picked up the role of Revolution 
in the recently wrapped Captain America Sentinel of Liberty. Bucky and Cap were victorious in taking down the Outer Circle, an organization that was controlling the world from the shadows. Bucky now has access to all of the Outer Circle's files and intends to use that information to finally hit back at some of the major threats in the Marvel Universe, starting with the Red Skull. Thunderbolts number one follows Bucky Barnes as he starts recruiting for this new version of the Thunderbolts. His first recruits are Contessa Valentina... Algebra Duforte. Allegra. No, Algebra. (laughs) (laughs) That's um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character. Yeah, who viewers of the Marvel Cinematic Universe will remember as uh, Elaine. And Destroyer, uh, the new moniker for uh, Sharon Carter. Mm -hmm. He calls upon them to help him terminate Red Skull, who has been a constant threat during his existence for all of our assembled heroes. The trio storm Red Skull's castle in Argentina and are... I, I, all I can think of is that um, Mel Brooks song, To Be or Not To Be. <laughs> what? You don't remember that song, To Be or Not To Be, Mel Brooks? Mm-mm. Okay, never mind. It was a good movie. Yeah, To Be or Not To Be. He's dancing around like a Nazi, and he says, Argentina, something. I don't remember how the song goes. Anyway. Castle uh, in Argentina and are almost ambushed until another recruit, Red Guardian, joins them. Hey, you notice how they're tying in all of the characters who are in the MCU into the comic mm-hmm. book? Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's so, so how, What so, a coincidence. Yeah, uncanny. Anyway. Most no, that's in, the X-Men. Oh, yeah. That, but, another, <laughs> but anyway, uh, there, there have been different iterations of the Red Skull throughout his time in the Marvel Universe, most notably... Uh, thanks to the cosmic cubes, one can never count the Red Skull out since he always manages to slither his way back from the grave. And death is kind of the man flu of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and he does so again after being shot in the face by Bucky Barnes. But anyway, with that being said, we'll be back with more right after this. So don't go anywhere if you want to try to give your shot at that... Uh, uh, Sporkle Pub Quiz with Scott Question 775-515-4141 and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back to Pop Culture Boom Radio Cough. Mark Miller's <laughs> or Mylar's I never could get his name right. It's M-I- well, it's just Miller. Miller? Yeah, Miller. Really? It's spelled so weird. Well, you know, it's a Miller or Millar. I mean, Miller. It's, 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 a, Miller. it's a subtle difference. Okay. Uh, comic book imprint Millar's World is on the move again, finding a new home at Dark Horse Comics. Millar's, Millar World is Millar's creator-owned imprint, known for fan-favorite titles like Wanted. We know, and we all know that one. Uh, uh, yeah. Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Jupiter's Legacy. Uh, a uh, Wachowski... <laughs> Siblings production, I believe. Yeah, Kick Ass. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that one. Super Crooks. Mm-hmm. Familiar? Mm-hmm. Not super familiar with that one. Uh, animated show. Uh, go check that one out. Mm-hmm. Kingsman, the Secret Service. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, a lot of people are like, "Really? That was a comic?" Yes, that was a comic book. Which have also been adapted to feature films and TV slash animated shows. Netflix acquired the Millar World Library back in 2017 and quickly adapted to live action Jupiter's Legacy. 
series and an animated Super Crooks show. However, Image Comics remained the publisher of the Millar World Comics. That is all about to change. As Dark Horse, founded by President Mike Richardson, will become the exclusive publisher of all Millar World titles. Forbes revealed the news with word that new reprints and oversized Dark Horse library editions of the Magic Order, Nemesis Reloaded, Nightclub, Wanted Big Game, and The Ambassadors will also be released. The Millar World Dark Horse collaboration kicks off in 2024 with five new titles that will be spread out throughout the year. Nemesis Rogues Gallery will be one of those titles, written by Millar with art by, I ain't trying to pronounce that one, no way. (laughs) Uh, G-I-A-N-G-I-O-R-D-A-N-O. Giordano. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Nemesis (laughs) was one of the central villains and in and just wrapped big game miniseries, which was a crossover featuring many of Millar World's heroes and villains. Just so you know. Interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with that, well, really, thanks, computer. <laughs> uh, from the comic books being released this Wednesday, December 13th, at least here, I highlight the number one issues and or major story or anniversary issues that are being released because those are the ones that have the most value interest or to collectors and investors. Don't base your buying decisions solely on my opinion. After all, it is only my opinion. To keep this list to a minimum, I do not include in it trade paperbacks, graphic novel collections, hardcover, softcover volumes, or reprints. If you are an independent comic book company or creator and you have something coming out, please let me know by sending me an email at popculturegaboon at gmail.com. Put upcoming comics in the subject line and include in the body of the email the publisher's name, the title of the book or books, when the book or books will be coming out, and the issue number so I can add your book or books in the future. First up from American Mythology Productions, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Killer Santa number one with four cover variants. A team-up I have never thought I would ever see, ever. Three Stooges versus Cthulhu, number one. Well, that's not really a team-up. Well, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but still, you never know. That is definitely a versus with, match I never thought I would see. With there four, you go. I, would never, I never thought I'd see those those two names on the same ever. It would be interesting if they did, you know, go in cahoots with Cthulhu. Well, usually that's the way it is. You know, it's like they say like uh, Superman versus Batman, and mm-hmm. usually they team up. So I, I'd say the oh, three stooges. Or, or, or like how Godzilla versus Kong, you know, they have their same misunderstanding, mm-hmm. they fight, but then they team up against. I could see the three stooges teaming up with Cthulhu, quite honestly. <laughs> Archie Comic <laughs> Publications, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, holiday special number one with two cover variants. You think that would have come out in October? Blood Moon Comics, a hex paw, left paw of the devil number one with two cover variants. I don't know. Loop. Loop Guru, number one, one shot. Loop Guru is a uh, werewolf. Oh, okay. Uh, Valley of Death, number one, with four cover variants. Under Heist, number one of five, with five cover variants. Dark Horse Comics, Masterpiece, number one, with three cover variants. Space Usagi, Death and Honor, number one, with four cover variants. From DC Comics, Birds of Prey, Uncovered, number one, one shot, with a wallet-busting seven cover variants. DC's... 
Twas the Might Before Christmas, number one, one shot mm. with three cover variants. Titans Beast World, Tour Gotham, number one, one shot with three cover variants. Headless Shakespeare Press has Lodger, number one, one shot. IDW Publishing has Adam's Family Charlatan's Web, number one, with three cover variants. Huh. Godzilla Best of Gigan, number one. Sonic the Hedgehog Winter Jam, number one, one shot with four cover variants. Image Comics has Bloody Dozen, A Tale of the Shrouded College, number one of six, with four cover variants. Oh, some of these comic book titles nowadays is like code. Right? Yeah, no, I'm like... <laughs> the Eagle Flies West to Berlin. Uh, but Mad Cave Studios has Charred Remains, number one, with two covered variants. Dear D-E-R, editor, number one. Hmm. <laughs> Promo. D-E-R? D-E-R. Dear Dirt, editor. Dear editor. Dear editor. Yeah, dear editor. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, no, no, like, dear doe, a deer, a female deer. Well, that would be two E's. It yeah. is D E E. Oh, oh yeah. you said D E R. You didn't say T E E. Okay. D E R. So dear editor. D E E R. Okay. Editor. Bambi de- editor number one <laughs> promo art. Marvel Comics has Daredevil Gang War number one with a wallet busting five cover variants. Spider Gwen Smash number one with a wallet busting seven Spider cover. Spider Gwen Smash. I don't want to know. Ani Press has Invasive number one of four with a wallet busting seven cover variants. Rick and Morty presents Rick in a Box, number one, one shot with three cover variants. Scout Comics has Blood Run, number one with three cover variants. Titan Comics has Guma, G-U-M-A-A, Guma. Guma. The beginning yeah. of Her, number one of seven with six cover variants. Uden Entertainment has Street Fighter Masters Kimberly, number one with four cover variants. Vault Comics has Beyond Real number one with six cover variants. Xenoscope Entertainment has Grim Fairy Tales 2023 Holiday Pinup Special with four cover variants. Okay. Hmm. So far, actually, that the uh, the cover variants have been pretty restrained this week. Yeah, especially with Dynamite. Yeah. Um, so Disneyland, that means they're saving up for something. Yeah, yep, probably. <laughs> they've been, they've been restrained for the last few. Thundercats is coming. That's why. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> if it's an anniversary thing, oh, yeah. yeah expecting the explosion variants. of variants. Yeah. Uh, Disneyland has announced dates for their various themed nights for 2024. These are special ticketed events offering things like Star Wars, Sweethearts, and more. New offerings for this year include two Disney Channel nights, January 23rd, 25th, 30th, and February 1st, 6th, 8th, 12th, 14th of the 2024. Sweetheart Nights will include many heartwarming offerings. Oh, a royal cavalcade will make its way through Disneyland Park, offering an, an enchanting gathering of some of Disney's favorite royals, transported by equally splendid equines. Near It's a Small World, dance along with princesses, princes, and Disney characters at an evening's royal ball. Stitch and Angel will host their... Angel? Who's Angel? His girlfriend. Uh, Stitches ain't Stitches uh, a female She's counterpart pink. to Stitch. Uh, we'll host their very own dance party at the stage in Tomorrowland. Join them throughout the night to dance and sing to some awesome beats. Throughout the park, unique photo back- backdrops <clears throat> will offer you an opportunity to step inside some of Disney's iconic scenes of love and friendship, including Lady and the Tramp, 
Tangled, Sleeping Beauty, Aladdin, and more. Divine Lighting. Divine Lighting. Fabulous uh, projections mm-hmm. and music. Okay, that, uh, that's what they mean. It's all atmospheric and yeah, stuff. I, yeah, I pieced that together. I thought that was like a some kind of thing or something. Yes, <laughs> I was trying, trying to decipher beyond. And now, I'm taking the stage. Divine lighting. I know. <laughs> I'm reading way too much into some yeah. of this music. Yeah, and, of uh, ironically, that have bad bad spotlighting. <laughs> Divine. Uh, where was it? Music uh, to of uh, Disney love songs oh, create the ultimate atmosphere. For romance, friendship, and family throughout the park, enjoy many sweet treats to indulge in and themed savory items available throughout the park created especially for Sweethearts Night. Okay, just so everybody knows, since this is not a visual medium, <laughs> Jimmy is getting visibly more and more nauseous as he's going along talking about all this romance. he like, has no love or romanticism in his life. I'm confused. I just don't like this kind of garbage. But anyway, <laughs> nobody actually needed to know that. That's why I was kind of keeping it tame. But until you guys had to actually say something. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Um, I didn't want to get lost. I wanted to quickly get through this. It wasn't and... me. <laughs> New offerings will include the shortbread cookie churro with strawberry cheesecake dipping sauce and the cafe Disney fried heart shaped ravioli. I think That's... I got a cavity just hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. They have the best churros when they make their crazy churros. Oh, oh my God, they're so good. There's a Fruity yeah. Pebbles one. It was so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and just hearing that, a short, shortbread churro with, with cheesecake. cheesecake dipped oh, in that, dipping sounds, sauce. Mm. that sounds so great, but I will not have any teeth after mm. that's over. Plus some returning and reimagined favorites like the Jolly Holiday Bakery Cafe Chocolate and Strawberry Stuffed Croissant. Actually, that sounds good. Wow, that mm-hmm. does sound good. Plus specialty menu items will also be available at Plaza Inn, Cafe Orleans, River Bell Terrace and Carnation Cafe, subject to availability. Reservations are are recommended and can be booked online soon. Keep your eyes on Disneyland.com backslash dining. A limited number of Disneyland After Dark Sweetheart Night tickets will go on pre-sale for Magic Key holders beginning December 12th, 2023. No earlier than 10 a.m. Pacific Time at Disneyland.com. On December 14th, no earlier than 9 a.m. Pacific time, tickets will go on sale to the general public and are subject to availability. Mm-hmm. March 5th and 7th, 2024, get ready for this all-new nostalgic celebration at Disneyland After Dark. Disney Channel Night comes to life, highlighting themed offerings from favorite Disney Channel shows across various eras of programming with fantastic music, memorable characters, high-energy parties, unique photo opportunities, and more. Join in to fun with fellow Disney Channel fans and great offerings, including the high school musical Pep Rally hmm. will take place through the streets of Disneyland Park, celebrating the songs from the beloved high school musical franchise, the uh, Penis and Ferb. Phineas, Phineas and Ferb. And Ferb. Uh, dance party at the stage in Tomorrowland will be a high energy dance party. Uh, sponsored by Monster Energy Drink. No, I'm kidding. I'm adding that part in there. Uh, compete with a complete with a not compete with a DJ. Complete with a DJ and appearances by your favorite uh, Phineas and Ferb characters. Camp Rock Karaoke will allow you to sing favorite songs in the Ultimate Disney Channel Trivia Challenge. Will test true Disney Channel fans. All in the cozy atmosphere of the Golden Horseshoe, descendants at the Rivers of America will invite you to take a cruise 
on the sailing ship Columbia and enjoy music from the Descendants trilogy. Opportunities to step into imagination, imaginative photo backdrops representing representing favorite Disney Channel shows and movies, including Lizzie McGuire, The Cheetah Girls, Teen Beach Movie, and more. Lizzie McGuire is the only one that I heard of. Wasn't that, uh, what's her name? Hillary Duff. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason why I know that. Um, and Joyce, I know. You, you don't have kids, so you don't know no, any of the other ones. <laughs> and more will make you a the star. Enjoy specifically themed foods and snacks all in all evening long. A few items to expect are the mini banana burritos. Oh, that sounds mini. nasty. The tropical banana punch at Rose Red Rose Tavern, plus chili cheese loaded nachos and s'mores donut skewers uh, from Cafe Daisy. Mm-hmm. Additionally, specialty dining uh, packages will be available too. More details coming to Disneyland.com soon. A limited number of Disneyland After Dark Disney Channel Night tickets will go on pre-sale for Magic Key holders beginning December 12th, no earlier than 9 p.m. Blah, 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 blah. Same thing as everything else above. Uh, tickets will go on sale to the general public and subject to availability. April 16th, 18th, 23rd, 25th, 30th, and May 2nd, 7th, 9th uh, are Star Wars Nights. And with more nights than ever before, prepare to launch your course uh, for a galactic adventure like no other. Disneyland After Dark Star Wars Nights will take place during Seasons of the Force, happening at Disneyland Park from April 5th through June 2nd. On sale tickets and additional details for Disneyland After Dark Star Wars Nights are forthcoming. So keep your eyes on the Disney Parks blog in the coming months, June 18th and 18th 20th last year disneyland after dark pride night came to life for the first time ever and it's back in 2024 with entertainment colorful characters photo ops and more on two spectacular evenings in june at disneyland park stay tuned for on sale dates and additional details for disneyland after dark pride night in the coming months so lots of stuff going on at disneyland if you can afford to go to those, those are the best nights to go. Yeah, but that's the trick now, isn't it? <laughs> because, well, that's the thing. They're 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 a little bit cheaper than like a one day pass now. Um, but you got a little bit of seconds. Um, they're <laughs> they are a little bit cheaper than a one day pass, but they're still pricey. But the crowds tend to be a lot less. So if you can afford to go. Mm. Go. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, we've gone to a few. So It is the top of the hour break. When we get back, more Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. we still got our big interview with Justin Grutch coming up later in the show. And if you'd like to, 775-515-4141. Give a shot at the Sporkle Pub Quiz with Scott question. If you think you might want to uh, get uh, yourself a gift certificate for DreamWorld Comics or two tickets for free to... The Aquaman Lost Kingdom movie that's going to be coming out. You get to get tickets for the advanced screening if you get the right answer. If you don't, then you can call back and try again. So, 775-515-4141. More show when we get back, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. And we have a surprise for you, everybody, this week. We have Samuel Tripp. He is the Assistant General Manager at Galaxy Theaters here in Carson City. They are located at 2000 
Is that right? No, 4,000 South Curry Street. Yeah, that's uh, like double the thousands. Yeah. Uh, Carson City, Carson City, Nevada. <sighs> Yeah. And I was just having trouble with the English language there. tonight. Yeah, I am. I'm having, a, I'm having a hard time with the English language every night, just tonight especially. Anyways, uh, so I was just there actually last uh, couple of weeks ago and watched Godzilla Minus One. Very nice theater. Every time I give away movie tickets or when I do go to a movie, I generally go to the Galaxy Theater here in Carson City. And it's a pleasure having Mr. Samuel on the phone with me tonight. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks. Thank you for having me on the show. So you are new to the theater. You are ju- just taken over in the management position over there. Uh, how are you liking it down here in Carson City so far? Oh, it's great. You know, we're looking, um, you know, every day about improving the guest-focused experience here. And it's been awesome to kind of get involved more and more with the community here. So there are a lot of things going on over there at the Galaxy Theaters. Um, so what is uh, airing this week over there at the Galaxy Theaters? Yeah, so this week on the 14th, we have Wonka releasing. And then on Saturday, we have UFC's Edwards versus Covington. Nice. Well, a lot of people don't know you can go and watch the UFC over there at the uh, Galaxy Theaters. Uh, and you guys do provide some adult beverages as well, correct? Yes, we do. <laughs> so are any of those, uh, um, I know that, uh, do, you guys, do you guys do the 3D movies at all? Yes, so every now and again we'll we'll be hosting 3D movies. Um, we have some more coming up soon. Okay, none of the UFC fights are in 3D, right? <laughs> Not yet. Okay, oh, yeah. I, I was just want... curious. I've yeah. never seen them in the theater, so I didn't know. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see that knee flying at me. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know. That, that, that's I mean... a pretty large camera to have next to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never know, right? Uh, so. Uh, well, then, you know, anyway. Uh, so uh, the UFC fight coming up this Saturday. Uh, Wonka is the big, big one. Uh, or we, we call it around here um, when there's a big release of the 400-pound uh, gorilla in the room. Uh, we have it listed as such this week uh, for our uh, movie reviews. Um, so that's uh, the big one we're going to be reviewing for this week for the uh, five movies yeah. that we're going to be yeah, talking about. the 400-pound kid stuck in the tube. Yeah, because I, I, I kind of referred it back to the old uh, – Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory um, with uh, Gene Wilder. Um, mm-hmm. So I call it the 400-pound uh, child stuck in a tube. You know, I, I don't know if you ever saw the original Willy Wonka. Yep, absolutely. Okay, you just found no humor in that is all. Okay, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> hey, th- this man takes his Wonka very seriously. I, I guess so, yeah. Okay, I don't know how he can, but yeah, he does. All right, I got it. <laughs> So what else is going on over there today, uh, Galaxy Theater? Because um, I know sometimes um, uh, with Wonka coming out, is there? I know with um, what was that last one? I know Transformers. I believe they had like some kind of like special bucket or something for the popcorn. That, you know? I had one for the Marvels. Yeah, um, a special yeah. like anything for like that for with Wonka coming out. Yeah, so we actually do have some flash sale uh, Wonka products. Um, we have some Wonka cups that we're looking forward to. Uh, pressing out here at the theater on on the release day. So we're really excited, and it's not just going to be at our location. It'll be uh, everywhere theater-wide for Galaxy. So uh, we definitely suggest you pick one up as soon as you can, uh, even on release day if you're not watching the movie. Yeah, because those are a limited edition. I've seen, like, what was that one, like, a light last year? Somebody, or earlier this year, that was just going, people were just going crazy to get a hold of it. Can you guys remember which one that was? (laughs) Mm. Oh, I, uh, I like the Blue Beetle one. 
<laughs> really? Yeah, it was cool. And I, I remember uh, people were crazy to get the 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 bucket, the popcorn bucket that was shaped like Optimus Prime's head. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So all kinds of interesting little little collectibles you can get when going to these movies. So get that Wonka cup if you can, because uh, you guys don't don't get very big shipping, do you? No, they're well supplies last, and uh, we don't have too many. I'm not going to say how many we have, right. but <laughs> <laughs> pick one up as soon as you can if you're interested. Okay, so you got Wonka coming out this week, uh, the UFC fight on Saturday. Uh, what time is that? Uh, would you recommend people showing up for that? You know, uh, the scheduled f- the time will give you plenty of time to watch the preliminaries and everything else that we have going on before the main card starts. So if you want to just show up uh, at, at the time that's printed on the ticket, I, I believe it's 7 p.m., uh, don't call me on that. Uh, you can check out and confirm that on our website. Yeah, and that but, hurts to um, show up I a little do... early for the prelims. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you never yeah, know. Absolutely. The prelims are pretty much to kind of highlight the uh, up-and-comings, right? Yes, that's mm-hmm. correct. Well, there you are. You can catch uh some of these, someone who might be on their way up to becoming a big star. Or something. Yeah, and with these US, UFC fights, you know that might be the best time to get your snacks because the, the fight could your, be over before you really get them. Or your adult beverage. Yeah, yeah, or your adult go. beverage. Yes. <laughs> so, if you're an adult, that is, uh, of yeah. course. So, all right. Well, hey, I and um, so anything coming up that uh, I, I know you guys uh, um, uh, are, are theaters are available for rental. If somebody says like as a upcoming uh, like new year's eve party or anything would you recommend uh renting a theater for the for like a get-together or anything like that uh, okay so i would definitely recommend renting a theater with us you can feel free to reach out to us not necessarily on a holiday that's not the best uh workaround for us just because of how busy we get um but yes please give us a call you can call us at 775-885-9500 and um you know, that, that's something that we're really pushing for, and that's something that we want to be involved in, uh, not just uh, on, like, a, a personal or private event, even on uh, greater community involvement. We're constantly looking at additional things we can do to serve our community, and we love to partner up, uh, you know, with local events, just just like we're doing here on the show with Jimmy and Pop Culture Kaboom. Well, thank you, sir. All right, sir. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on and letting us know what's going on down there at Galaxy Theaters. Um, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Yeah, you too. Have a good one, Jimmy. All right, take care, sir, and have a good evening. Thanks. All right, so back. Oh, I, you know what I should have asked him? I should what? have asked him the uh, trivia question. <laughs> oh, yeah, we should have seen the feet new. Yeah. Dang. Ah. See, oh. see how much of an aficionado with, uh, with yeah. the movies he is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Well. Uh, All right. So well, cons- we'll have to remember next week. Yeah. So considering uh, KISS is known for wild merchandise, it's not a surprise to learn they've come up with a new way for the band to keep making money. <laughs> I'm yeah. shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because the, the, you know, the miniature golf in Vegas wasn't enough. Yeah, or, yeah. The, or the crossover with Hello or, Kitty. Or, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, there was a crossover with Kiss and Hello Kitty mm-hmm. people. Or, or the uh, pinball machine or the video game mm-hmm. or the comic book. Or, you know, the or, 12 times they were going out, you know, for their farewell tour. Yeah, or the <laughs> farewell tour that's lasted three years now or, yeah. Oh, longer than three years. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> well, just pop- for this particular leg yeah uh, pop house <laughs> entertainment is behind the digital avatars 
And this isn't, isn't the first time an iconic band has made this route. Recently, they also created digital versions of ABBA for the ABBA Voyage Show. Considering the ABBA Avatar shows have pulled in two million every week via Bloomberg, it's not far-fetched to think fans will pay good money to watch recreations of Kiss. Oh, yeah, especially if they model the avatars after how they looked at their peak. Um, actually, I've seen the avatars, actually, that they're going to be using. And the uh, Gene Simmons one is actually, since his character is called the Demon, Demon. Yeah. Uh, he's got demon wings and his... Oh, oh they really just ran, aside from ran just with it, huh? shooting, uh, spitting fire, his eyes are flaming and oh. everything else. So. Okay, so they really ran they with really the design. They really ran okay. with the Star Child. You can only imagine what the Star Child is doing. <laughs> so, you know, flying in the air and spinning and then, around. Yeah. And then the cat you never see just because cats can't be can't be held down in one place. Well, you know how they paw at things? Yeah, he's doing that with the symbols. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Um, it's not far-fetched to think fans will pay good money to watch Recreations Kiss. In a press release, Pop House said they plan to put on immersive avatar-powered concerts using the Kiss avatars, which were created by Industrial Light and Magic. Hmm. So you know they're going to be good if they're done by Industrial Light and Magic. Well, they'll be very well animated at the very least. At the very, very least. So, here are the cons and events I was able to find going on worldwide the week of December 11th through December 17th. Yeah, not that many actually this week. I, I cannot stress enough that if you do not go to these events, they will stop happening or will not return to your area. So, if you're thinking, I'll go next week, next month, next year, they will not happen near you ever again, period. If one or more of these are near you, go check them out. And if they are not, check your local game hobby, and comic book shops for great events going on in your area. If you have or know of a pop culture event coming up in your area, I can add to this list. Please contact me at popculturekaboom at gmail.com. Put upcoming event in the subject line and in the body of the email. Include in <laughs> include the name of the event, the date and or dates it will be running, and where it will be taking place, so I can add it to my list of upcoming events. So, December 15th through the 17th is Anime New Jersey Plus Plus 2023 at Hilton Woodcliff Lake at Woodcliff Lake, New Jersey. What? Just the name Plus Plus. Well, yeah, they did New Jersey with two pluses after it. Unless those are crosses. Well, uh, I, I, guess they, I guess they just really like New Jersey. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, December 15th through the 17th is Con Plus Alt Plus Delete. 2023 at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare, Rosemont, Illinois. No, this is not a trend for the week, by the way. It was just those two. <laughs> That's plus plus and then plus delete. <laughs> uh, December 15th through the 17th is DesignerCon 2023 at the Anaheim Convention Center in Anaheim, California. December 15th through the 17th is HappyCon 2023 at the Southridge Mall in Greendale, Wisconsin. December 16th is the Big Apple Comic Con 2023 at the New Yorker Hotel in New York, New York. December 16th is the Mahoning Valley. Yeah, Mahoning Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Comic Con 2023 at the Holiday Inn, Youngston South, Boardman, Youngston, Ohio. December 16th is the Markham Comic Con 2023 at the Thornhill Community Center in Thornhill, Ontario, Canada. December 16th is the Nashville Anime Day 2023 at the Double Tree by Hilton Hotel, Murfreesburg, Borough, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And then uh, on December 16th is Proud Nerd Con Christmas Edition 2023 in Europe, Halle Trier, in Trier, Germany. 
December 6th. Are you sure? I, I'm not going to. I'm not questioning it because I have no idea how you'd pronounce that, but. Yeah. yeah, okay. In Europe, uh, a holiday trailer. Okay, there Canada, you go. Germany. Yeah. December 16th is Springfield Toy and Comic Shop 2023 at the Clark County Fairgrounds Merchantile Building, Springfield, Ohio. December 16th through the 17th is Brickfest Live, Birmingham 2023 to Birmingham Jefferson Convention Complex, Birmingham, Alabama. And then December 16th through the 17th and is uh, Curie 2023 in Antigua, Anduana, San Jose, Costa Rica. December 16th through the 17th is QuadCon, Des Moines, 2023. That's one of those words that just it does not sound like it looks. At the Merle Hay Mall in Des Moines, Iowa. December 16th through the 17th is SAC Gamers Expo 2023 at the Scottish Rite Center in Sacramento, California. December 17th is the Annie Marketplace 2023 at the Japanese American Cultural and Community Center in Los Angeles, California. December 17th is the Huntsville Anime Fest 2023 at the Embassy Suites by Hilton Huntsville, Huntsville, Alabama. December 17th is Route 110 Comic Show 2023 at the 110 Bingo Hall in Melville, New York. And last but not least, December 17th, the SWFL Retro 2023 at the Double Tree by Hilton, Fort Myers, at Bell Tower Shops, Fort Myers, Florida. Yeah, you know, the, the list would be a little shorter this time of year. You know, a lot of holidays come, are coming and going. You know, you got Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. I mean, you got tons of stuff going around this time of year. So, yep, yep. So, and, you know, people just don't want to aren't going to cons. They're uh, busy spending their money on other people. Plus, the economy is not really, you know, super great this time of year or right now anyway. True. So, uh, Disney Lorcana is heading into the Inklands for its third set. Ravensburger announced into the Inklands the third set for the Disney Lorcana. The new set will introduce locations, a new kind of card that featured Disney settings like Motanua, or the Jolly Roger and offer players special abilities and interactions when their character cards visit these locations. The new set will be released on February 23rd, 2024 at game stores and on March 8th, 2024 at mass retailers. Location cards will have varying effects. Some cards will give bonuses when characters visit them, while other locations provide passive benefits while in play. The new set will also introduce several new characters and properties to the Disney world of Disney Lorcana, including Pluto, okay, the dog or the mm-hmm. character or the planet. The well, with Disney, yeah, they're generally referring to the dog. Okay, so. uh, Perdita from 101 mm-hmm. Dalmatians. See, if they would have clarified it like that, <laughs> that would have helped. Uh, Kit Cloud Kicker from Tailspin and Scrooge McDuck. Also featured in the set is Jim Hawkins and the crew of the RLS Legacy, bringing more Treasure Planet characters to the game. You can check out a first look at some of the new Disney Lorcana cards, including a return to uh, two of the Floodborne Peter Pan shown in the first chapter. Hmm. Another addition coming courtesy of Into the Inklands are new in-game mini-stories that explore the lore of Disney Lorcana and start to de- delve Deeper into the narrative of the game, a press release for the new set explains that the luminaries, luminaries, who accidentally unleashed a flood of mixed ink, thus creating the Floodborne characters featured in the game, are now tasked with gathering 
Scattered lore throughout the Inklands, however, upon venturing out to the great luminary, the luminaires discover that an ominous shadow storm has been spotted at the edges of Lorcana, adding more urgency in their quest. Ooh, the new set will be released in the game stores on February 23rd and then at mass retailers on March 8th. And it's time for that hard break. If you still want to give a shot at that um, Sporkle Pub Quiz Wiscott question and uh, try and score yourself either a gift certificate for Dreamwell Comics or tickets to go see Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, give us a call, 775-515-4141. Everyone else uh, will be back right after this with movies and Mr. Tony Sanfilippo. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Boom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. Each week, the film powers that be release dozen mo- dozens of movies, some of which you will never hear about except here. Uh, yeah. yeah, please don't hold that against us. Yeah. And each week's upcoming releases are carefully picked over from Rotten Tomatoes, and up to five films are selected from genres that I would watch. And those genres are action, adventure, science fiction, horror, anime, or fantasy, and that is pretty much it. With that in mind, we sit through some of the most hideous trailers ever made, and we'll read you the synopsis of each film, then give you our not-so-humble opinions. Bear in mind, we are not professional movie critics. We are just overly opinionated blowhards. But Mr. Tony Sanfilippo, Filippo's horrible reviews is, you can catch all of Tony Sanfilippo's reviews of concerts, television shows, and movies at Filippo's horrible reviews. And Mr. Filippo, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Jimmy. My Broncos won. The Chiefs lost. <laughs> it was a great day. I know it was not a great day for you guys. It was You turned it up at the very end, but just a little shy. I was hoping the Jags would have pulled it off, though. And you know what? And, the, and that field goal that they got was what they lost by. And, uh, and here's what I found most surprising about today is the uh, – the Denver Ninjas are now a game away from winning the AFC West. Yeah, I mean one what? game, one game behind the Chiefs. <laughs> where how, where are they coming from with this? Well, how is that how is that happening? <laughs> they're just they're playing good ball right now. It's it's crazy. Today it they look super good. Uh, I loved watching Mahomes fall apart at the end and throw a temper tantrum. It was awesome. Yeah, that's always that's always funny when the uh, spoiled brats get. Throw a little tantrum, but anyway. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's good. Let's get to these here movies because I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say about it, especially the 400 uh, pound kid stuck in a tube. So, uh, <laughs> so here on the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show, we utilize a carefully crafted and patented Pop Culture Kaboom movie rating system. If it is worth seeing in a theater at full price, it is a good, not a great. That is to be determined by you if you choose to see it in a theater. If it is worth seeing in a theater as a matinee or in your town's cheap theater, it is a so-so. If it is worth seeing on a streaming service or as a rental or however you choose to watch the film while avoiding social interaction, it is a blah. If it is deemed so awful, you should wait for it to be on public television. It is considered a touch brown because FCC regulations say we can't use profanity. <laughs> so we got five films for you, and I'm going to throw the proverbial dart at the dartboard. And I got the family plan. And, uh, yeah. All right, so let's start off with this uh, 
fun little package here. And uh, Dan Morgan loves his quiet suburban life as a devoted family, father of three, and successful car salesman. But it's only half the story. Decades earlier, he was an elite government agent, assassin, uh, I'm sorry, an elite government assassin tasked with eliminating the world's deadliest threats. When enemies from his past track him down, Dan packs his unsuspecting wife, angst teen daughter, pro gamer teen son, and adorable 10-month-old baby into their minivan and takes off for an impromptu cross-country road trip to Las Vegas. Determined to protect his family while treating them to the vacation of a lifetime, Dan must put his long-dormant skills into action without revealing his true identity. All <laughs> right. So, usually a movie like this deserves to be banished to the depths of Apple TV streaming hell. But aside from Marky Mark grazing touch brown territory with trope action scenes, overused plot devices, and very blatant attempt at channeling his inner Ryan Reynolds, this movie looks fun and entertaining. Either that or I'm just delirious from being up for 36 hours when I watched the trailer and wrote this. But I'm going to give it a blah. Tony, what say you? Hey, I'm going to give you a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> it's Marky Mark Wahlberg. He's a former assassin trying to live a normal family life. Turns out that lame old dad's past has caught up with him. And now it's an action comedy road trip straight to Las Vegas and straight to Apple TV. The trailer has good cheesy laughs and action. I actually enjoyed what I saw, and I surprisingly want to watch it as well. I won't go to theaters um, to see it because I don't think it's playing in theaters, but even no. if it was, I wouldn't go. <laughs> um, but I'll definitely stream it, so I'm with you, Jimmy. Blah for me. All right. Spencer, what say you? Yeah, <coughs> I have to say, of this entire batch of movies this week, this was the biggest surprise to me. I was so expecting to just throw this onto the touch brown heap. <laughs> But uh, yeah, but uh, watching Marky Mark fight a guy with a baby and a papoose on his chest was was far more funny than I really thought it would be. And this would be like uh, John Wick if he if he had had a little more time. <laughs> I, I just I thought that the reason why this went to streaming is because they wanted to have Ryan Reynolds for this role but couldn't get him. Yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> so what I thought about it. Yeah, but you know, Marky Mark, he's a pretty good action guy. I mean, he. he and he he can be funny. I mean, you know, Ted was hilarious. Never saw it. Oh well, well. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it was pretty funny. The teddy bear sounds like uh, Brian or Peter and or Peter Griffin, depending. Peter Griffin. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so with this one, I'll definitely I'm definitely going to check it out. Streaming, you know, you know, since it's only available on streaming, I guess the highest we can give it is a blah. But I would give it a so so if it was in theaters. Oh, okay, a so so for Spencer. Rob, what say you? Uh, yes, another Marky Mark, ex-con criminal or ex-assassin movie. We've mm. seen this so many times from Marky Mark. Um, that seems to be his, like, new thing, I think, is that now that he's become, like, a parent in real life, he's now become a parent in all of his movies. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, and then the fact that he's, like, now moved to Vegas and wants to have all his movies down in Vegas, we now have a family trip to Vegas because that's where I want to take my 10-month-old baby. No, yeah. I'm not taking a 10-month-old <laughs> baby and to Vegas. trip of a lifetime, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, trip yeah. of a lifetime. Right, oh. no. Um, but I mean, it's a, it's going to be fun. It's Marky Mark. There's going to be action. There's going to be comedy. There's, you know, it, it's going to be Marky Mark. Michelle Monaghan's actually pretty funny. So I, to see her, you know, doing her comedic chops should be actually good. So it's going to be a blah because that's the most we can do it. I'll 
probably won't see it this Friday when it comes out. But wow, yeah. after yeah, a but, pretty good start. You know, I, actually, I, t- I totally forgot this. I wanted to mention this. They had a completely missed opportunity. You know, they had Ice Ice Baby in there for the trailer, and you know, kind of uh, go. They could have gone with Good Vibrations from Marky Mark and the Funky they, Bunch. They wow. should have done that. I agree. <laughs> Dang. Dang, that would have been too much, though. I think. <laughs> Well, I don't know what this movie gets. Is there such a thing as too much when it came to this? <laughs> uh, all right, Tony, what is next? Oh, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nuggets. Having escaped from the farm, Ginger and Rocky welcome a new little adventurer into their lives. Back on the mainland, the whole of Chicken kind of faces a terrible new threat. Okay, I think the last time Chicken Run was even a thing was the late 90s or the early 2000s. In fact, I think Mel Gibson voiced yep. one of them, if I'm Rocky. not mistaken. Hmm. Um, I've never watched it. Um, I'm not sure who's today's... I'm obviously the same to the kids, but who's who's the audience for this? Um, the animation is fantastic. It's the whole Clay, Wallace, and Gromit uh, animation, which is neat. Um, I just personally don't have a need to see it, but if you have... You are a fan of the original, or your kids are interested. You could stream it on Netflix. So good luck with that. But I'm going to pass. So touch brown for me. Okay, just from the title, Dawn of the Nugget. I was so hoping there was some kind of Dawn of the Dead type of thing going on in this hideous claymation movie, <laughs> but no. So touch brown. <laughs> Bob's. Let's see. Wow, he, he gave he gave such a little care. He didn't even come up with a joke. That, he just said, "I don't want to." That was that was very. No. All right. Well, it looks like Ginger and Rocky are back. However, Rocky's voice has changed. Um, he's now he hit in- puberty. <laughs> well, reverse. Um, because apparently Mel Gibson's voice was too old. That's why he actually wow. isn't in this. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I didn't know he was in it. At yeah, all. he was Rocky in the first one. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, I've seen the first one. I know I'm probably the only one here who has. Um, Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Don't forget, I had kids at that age. So, okay. um, no. Um, but uh, yeah, no. It, it looks like it's going to be another one, like fun little adventure. It's kind of like a reboot, so to speak. Instead of escaping from the the farm, they're escaping into the farm um, to save their little one. So. And, the first one was good, so I'm assuming this one's going to probably be the same. It's going to probably be a blah. I'll end up watching it. Okay. Spencer, what's for you? Well, uh, I am ashamed to say, as as the resident uh, animation apologist, that I have not seen the original Chicken Run. Self-appointed. Self-appointed, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, self-appointed animation apologist. Uh, but uh, uh, nothing really grabbed me in the trailer on this one. But, you know, the animation looked interesting. And, yeah, I probably, if my... If my family, my wife or my daughter wanted to see it, I probably would watch it. So I'll, I'll give it a, I'll, I'll go blah. Wow. Two blahs out of that piece of garbage. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I, they have like really good animation. They do, but still garbage. Yeah. You got to the animation props for sure. For yeah. sure. Unfortunately, though, their their films are, are history is sorely limited. I liked Wallace and Gromit, though. So well, yeah, see. but even that even that series, uh, their that, that film company's uh, history is sore, their future is sorely limited because uh, the company that makes the clay that they use mm-hmm. is going out of business. Yeah, I know. So mm. they only have enough to make like two more films or something like that. And then the, they're, then they're going to have to like move on to something else like CG or something or find a new clay. Well, 
they they won't kinetic find sand. it in the clay. They're <laughs> kinetic <laughs> sand. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> okay. They'll be the ones who invent that thing that the um, Terminator 3 is made Oh, the out liquid of. metal? Yeah. 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 The metric polyalloy. Yeah, with the, uh, and it'll be AI, too. Right. I bet you. Yeah, so that'll spell the end of humanity. I created myself based <laughs> off Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> it's Terminator. <laughs> Chicken Run. Um, Angel Baby is the next movie we're going to be talking about. Angel Baby. Uh, Val, a loving wife, and her husband Justin move to a remote cabin to heal from the sudden death of their unborn twins. How did they know? And to get a fresh start. Soon she senses an evil presence. After her best friend comes to check on her mental health, dark secrets begin to unravel. Dark secrets begin to unravel? That makes no sense. Val meets a mysterious neighbor and starts searching for the truth. With the help of uh, the local bar owner, she gains the strength she needs to face what is tormenting her peace. Okay. Well, the synopsis in the trailer is all you need to see this movie. Seriously, you can tell in the trailer the movie is trying way too hard at, well, everything instead of letting it unfold naturally. So save yourself the mental anguish and unwisely spent time and touch brown. Tony, what say you? Well, really scared. Let's get a house in the middle of nowhere. Like, let's get some peace and quiet and go crazy. Um, death in a house in the middle of nowhere means you're going to be haunted and terrorized. Where it lost me in this trailer was when it randomly had to say the title of the movie where it's like, it's angel time, baby. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, this is stupid. Jump scares, lame plot, touch brown. <laughs> Spencer? All right. Uh, you know, I, I, it's Spencer time, baby. <laughs> you, you, you know... <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I know they tried so hard to be scary in this, but you know the the it's reading time, Angel Baby. When the most threatening thing that the ghost does is produce a book titled Angel Baby. Titled Angel Baby. If a book is the best you can do to be threatening, I don't think you got much to be scared of. So it's going to have to be a touch brown from me on this one. Wow. Okay. I'm a writer. I'm not scared of books. I love books. If a, if a, if a ghost randomly gave me a book, I'd be like, hey, thanks. <laughs> can, I get, can you autograph it for me? I just won't read it out loud in case it's the Necronomicon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Rob, let's say you. Oh, my goodness. This is terrible. <laughs> like, I think I've seen this like 15 million times before, only way better. Um, Anytime somebody goes to the woods, oh, and we bought a new house. Oh, is there something wrong with the house? Of course there is. My husband lied to me and didn't tell me that. You know, it was originally like had dead people in it because I'm too stupid to do my own research on the house that we're buying. I, yeah, I am tired of it, that. In, in this, yeah, in this day and age, like seriously, like how many wives are not involved in the house like buying like process? Like, <laughs> I, I it, it amazes me. Yeah. Like, that that she's Hollywood thinks babies. That. But I mean, like Hollywood thinks that, like you know, um, I don't know. It it seems so boring. Uh, there was no really no atmospheric to it. So yeah, touch brown. All right, the first brown streak of the week, <laughs> right there in the middle. 
Poopy time, baby. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we only got about a minute, Tony. Mm -hmm. you, you, I don't think you can cover everything in a minute, can you? We can probably get the synopsis. Well, probably not. That's a pretty long synopsis yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a minute. So, uh, yeah, yeah we could do that one right after the break. All right. So we'll just... Yeah. We'll just wing it and wing yeah. so, it. So, so you make more jokes about the brown streak being right in the middle? Right yeah. back. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll make more brown streaks jokes. Yeah, like, yeah, like Spencer said. <laughs> well, I'll just recap really quick. Okay, so the family plan got a blow. Uh, that is the best rated one so far. Spencer gave it a so-so. Tony, Rob, and I gave it a blah. Uh, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget has nothing to do with The Walking Dead. Spencer and Rob gave it a blah. Uh, Tony and I gave it a touch brown. Angel, bye bye. Big brown streak all the way down the line. When we get oh, back, yeah. well, when we get back, uh, Rebel Moon Part One: A Child of Fire. Fire. That's the really, uh, one we're going to be talking about. Uh, Rob uh, Zack Snyder's latest movie on Netflix, by the way, um, but it is going to be on theaters in theaters on the 17th, and we'll be talking about that. So when we get back, we'll be talking about Rebel Moon. So don't go anywhere. More pop culture, boom radio show and movies with Mr. Tony Sanfilippo of Filippo's Horrible Reviews. So don't go. Hello, caller. Who's this and where are you calling from? Hey there, it's Jim from Carson City. Hey, Jim from Carson City. Hey, would you like to participate in the uh, Sporkle Pub Quiz question? Yeah, let's give it a whirl here. Let's see. Okay. I got to do better than last time. In the 1993 hit science fiction action-adventure film Jurassic Park, the T-Rex's signature roar was created with a combination of an alligator, a lion, and an elephant. However, the low growls and clicking the T-Rex makes while investigating the cars around its enclosure are based on which animal? Is it A, an ostrich, B, a Komodo dragon, C, a koala bear, D, an opossum, E, a honey badger. Ostrich. That is... We're leaving you in suspense. Yes. I think, oh boy, this is... This is suspenseful. Dun, dun, dun. Hold on. Oh, come on. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Jim. <laughs> but here's the good news. You I can... suck at this. Well, you know. <laughs> Here, here's the good news, though. There's still uh, an hour and 15 minutes to show and four more answers. So you can still call back and try again. Oh, I can try again? Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, you, you guys got a, a minute to talk movies? Um, well, we got Tony on the line talking movies currently. Okay. I'll, all right. Yeah, then so we'll we can talk after when you call. When you try again. Yeah. yeah. Right, sounds cool. All right. All right. See you. Uh, how about uh, after 840? After 840. All right. I'll do what I can. Okay. <laughs> all, right. all right. Tony, you still there? <laughs> I'm still here, man. Okay. Uh, you want to give it a shot, Tony? I'll give it a shot. I actually was going to say what he said, so I was going to say ostrich, but that was wrong. Um, I will go, because it was the clicking noises, right? Okay. Well, it is the, uh, um, the, it is the uh, gr low growls and clicking the T-Rex -rex makes while investigating cars around its enclosure are based on which animal? Is it B, a Komodo dragon, C, a koala bear, D, an opossum, or E, a honey badger? 
Yeah, I don't know. I knew the first part, like with the different noises they got, with the dolphin and all that stuff. But I would, I would probably guess B. I don't know if that's right or not, but we'll okay. let you know. I will later. text you the yeah. answer to that if you're <laughs> okay. Right the other one, you know, the last few weeks have been really solid, hundred percent. Know them, but that one I don't know. Yeah, this that's one I actually totally missed. Bad. So this this is my first yeah, first this, fail of the. This is a good one. This, this is a tough one. Okay. Yeah. Um, last week I got I was the only one in the world that got it wrong, um, <laughs> but this week uh yeah I wouldn't have got it right either. Um, so to recap again, we're going over the movies and uh, we left off with Angel Baby. Everybody gave that one a touch. Brown and Chicken mm. Run, Dawn of the Dead, Nugget. Um, and Spencer and Rob gave it Blahs, and Tony and I gave it Touch Brown's The Family Plan. Um, best rated one so far, Spencer gave it the highest so-so. Everybody else gave it a blah, and we're about to talk about Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. I wish they would just ditch the Part 1 and just call it Rebel Moon, A Child of Fire. Yeah, no doubt, like, huh? It would be a little bit better, but I digress. From Zack Snyder, the filmmaker behind 300, Man of Steel, and Army of Dead comes Rebel Moon, an epic science fantasy event decades in the making. When a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy finds itself threatened by the armies of a tyrannical ruling force, Korra, a mysterious stranger living among the villagers, becomes their best hope for survival. Tasked with finding trained fighters who will unite with her in making an impossible stand against the mother world, Korra assembles a small band of warriors, outsiders, insurgents, peasants, and orphans of war from different worlds who share a common need for redemption and revenge. As the shadow of an entire realm bears down on the unlikeliest of moons, a battle over the fate of the galaxy is waged, and in the process, a new army of heroes is formed. Now, last week, you said this was basically supposed to be his Star Wars Correct. movie, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. To direct him, so this is very inspired. Well, I, if I didn't know that, I would have drawn the inspiration based off the trailer with the weird lightsaber gun things. and mm -hmm. it, it definitely had a lot of Star Wars vibes. Mm -hmm. um, it had, like, pretty cool action. I, I'd like to say... While inspired by Star Wars, at least we have something original-ish. Um, it has a chance to be an epic trilogy. I like the cast. I like what I saw. Though the, the big worry thing is Zack Snyder and his cruddy Snyderverse sucks, so I'm a little leery. <laughs> but it is on Netflix, so I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a chance on Netflix. I don't think I'm gonna go to the theater to see it. I also didn't know it was going to theaters until you said it before the break. But it doesn't change my opinion. Only so for a week. I'm so. gonna stick with the blah. Oh, well, one of those whopping one weeks just to yeah, get it out. Yeah, so it can be an Oscar contender. nominations and stuff. Yeah. So it can be an Oscar Ooh. contender. Ooh. Ooh. I'm gonna stick with blah on this one, just because uh. the whole Snyderverse thing. I, I'm a little leery, but. I'm intrigued. I hope it's a good sci-fi. Okay. Blah for you. So Zack Snyder has always been good at delivering a great-looking, image-filled, and information-empty trailer. Honestly, if only Batman v Superman, Justice League, or even Army of the Dead were half as good as their trailers. Uh, but we're not talking about those movies this time around. We're talking about the Star Wars movie that could have been that Zack Snyder was supposed to direct. But Disney, for whatever reason, said no. So he turned it into this. 
a carbon copy of Battle Beyond the Stars <laughs> from 1980, starring George Papard, Robert Vaughn, and Richard Thomas. Anybody remember that yeah. film? I yeah. do. Yeah. Anyway, um, I like that movie, actually, with the hot dog eating little guys and uh, whatever else, the guys with the three <laughs> eyes on their forehead, you know. Uh, I like the uh, Kadar from the Malmoe. He was, he was really cool. <laughs> Sadar or whatever with the yeah the, I can't remember the lizard the guy yeah. that guy was really yeah. cool I liked him anyway <laughs> Boy, leave it to you to bring out the obscure references man. I know right <laughs> uh, anyway I was thinking more Last Starfighter but <clears throat> but the, you got to go deeper than that for this but anyway yeah. oh it looks like we are all going to have our deep cuts Tony I, okay. what's your deep cut I will sir? say I'm curious to watch it and see why <laughs> Disney turned this idea down considering the desperate death spiral greenlit disney movies both live action and animated have been in these uh, in the just this year uh just not curious enough to see it in a theater though so i'm going to give it a blah as well well rob what say you yes we have another um original from jack this is from Zack snyder um army of the dead was actually fairly decent um so i'm it, Intrigued to see this. The only problem I have is that he does tend to have like long, kind of slow pace moments in the movie, and with this one having to be broken up into two parts as his first movie, I'm anticipating lots of long, slow parts. Um, but without that, you know, otherwise it'd be a blah. I'm gonna end up seeing it. There's no denying that. So, <laughs> me too. But okay, so blah, Spencer. What say you? All right, uh, I'm going to just say this up front. I am a fan of Zack Snyder. I actually enjoyed Batman versus Superman. I do not think it is a perfect movie, but it was a fun. It was an entertaining enough to keep to to to, to, to make it so I enjoyed watching it. And Justice League, eh, I have my issues with it, but but, <laughs> um, but uh, we all did, Spencer. Yes, we, we all, all did. did. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny that you should mention Robert Vaughn and Battle Me on the Stars because he was also in uh, Seven Samurai. Or, or not seven, the Magnificent Seven, which is also kind of what, which was based off of Seven Samurai, and uh, and anybody who knows anything about Star Wars knows that a lot of the inspir- some of the a lot of the inspiration that came from the specifically for the Jedi and a lot in, in Star Wars in particular was a lot of old uh, Japanese samurai movies like the Seven Samurai and Yojimbo and and movies like that. So if uh, and just from this plot, it's like wow. This is a sci-fi version of the Magnificent Seven or the Seven Samurai, so or Battle uh, Beyond the Stars or Battle Beyond the Stars, and and you know if you if you ask something that that connects back to Robert Vaughn and even a seven even a six degrees of Kevin Bacon sort of way I'm there, so mm-hmm. uh, and you know, but that, that sorry I was going to go off on a real nerd tangent about a team and and all that which I'm glad you part, didn't but, but I'm not I'm not going to <laughs> but. Um, I wish that I was in a place where they had, where I could go see it in the movie theater because I am going to give this a good because oh, wow. I am going to see this and mm-hmm. I am more than likely going to enjoy it. And if for some reason it really sucks, I will come back and I will confess, but hopefully I will very much enjoy it and be able to sing its graces upon it upon after seeing it. Well, there's two more movies after this, so we'll see. <laughs> All right. Now to the 400 pound kid stuck in a tube. It's Wonka. Based on the extraordinary character at the center of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Ronald Dahl's most iconic children's book and one of the best-selling children's books of all time, 
Wonga. Tells the wonder story of how the world's greatest inventor, magician, and chocolate maker became the beloved Willy Wonka we know today. The prequel no one on this planet ever, and I mean ever, asked for has finally arrived. So after leaving Hogwarts, apparently, because his obvious dyslexia, Wonka goes to whatever city in this bland, out-of-time universe it's set in to rewrite Wonka's origin story from the Tim Burton version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Honestly, a version I didn't need either, so this has two things going against it, and needless to say, and to no surprise to anyone listening, Touch Brown. Tony, what say you? I did grow up loving the original, and I actually really enjoyed Tim Burton's take on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, this definitely looks to appeal to a new audience and, you know, I'm sure a lot of people might be happy with the new take on it. I personally think this movie looks terrible. I don't think it looks good. It's, I've watched the trailer three different times, um, cause they've showing it on TV. So I've seen it throughout the football games today and, oh my gosh, it just looks dumb. But even though I don't think it's going to be good, uh, my girlfriend, she wants to see it. <laughs> So it's one of those that I will, much like I did the Barbie movie, it's one of those I will go see it with her. So I'm going to give it a block because we're not going to go to the theaters. That's uh, when it streams. So I, again, don't, I don't think it looks great, but I'm going to give it a block. Okay. Pray for a snow day. And uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Spencer. <clears throat> you know, I, I did not. I actually enjoyed the Tim Burton, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, except for the part when it started digging into Charlie into a Wonka's past, because that 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 just really just brought the the movie to a, a halt, for, a grinding halt. Yeah. For me. And this uh, this is a literally an entire movie of the parts that brought the movie to a grinding the first movie to a grinding halt for me. Now. If this had been an origin story, and and looks wise, it would have been worked perfectly uh, for the warden of the uh, Adult Swim cartoon super prison. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> then that would have been a far more interesting movie, and that actor and, and the what's his name Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet, thank Sh- you. Chalamet, Chalamet yeah. w- would have been a far more interesting warden than he would be a Wonka, uh, but um, because I don't think he could be. I don't think he has uh, Johnny Depp's wonkiness to his Wonka or Gene Wilder's maniac nature to it. I don't think he can pull off either one of those. So I think he'll be a Wonka that falls very flat. And the only saving grace I see to this is uh, are the Oompa Loompas. (laughs) And 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 you grants Oompa Loompas, while they look funny, are not enough to save this movie for me. It's touch brown. Okay. <laughs> okay, Rob, what say you? Come with me. No. And you'll be in a world where this movie doesn't need to exist. Um, <laughs> I would follow you into that world, sir. I, I, I like Timothy Chalamet. I, I, think yeah, I, I actually think he's like a really good actor. Yeah. I can't wait for Dune 2. Um, Same. So. I don't know. There's no need. Uh, and even 
I don't know. There was an article I even read where he was like, oh, I I didn't want to do this unless it did Wonka, you know, well. And because I have a dear place in my heart for Wonka. Then why did you do this part? Because you shouldn't have done it then. <laughs> That's how yeah. I feel. So mm-hmm. it's going to be yeah, a touch brown. taking care of it by not doing <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. Come with me and you'll be <laughs> in a world where you get paid a very big fee. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy all right so there you have it folks wonka <laughs> the highest rated was by tony it was a blah and that's because he's being forced to see it everybody else <laughs> gave it a touch brown <laughs> well and then rebel moon um as the spencer gives it a good everybody else is giving it a blah um and other than that uh the family plan was the other big winner this week with uh Spencer giving it a so so. Yeah, that was that was I the big surprise of the week. Big surprise yeah. of the week. Everybody else giving it a blah. Nobody expected much from that, but hey, you know what? Uh, so you never know what you're going to get. Uh next week, December eighteenth through the twenty fourth. I can only find three movies again. So uh we got Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, Migration, and Salar Part One Ceasefire. Apparently taking a page out of uh, Zack Snyder's book there with the uh, naming of Part One Ceasefire. <laughs> so migration looks funny. That's the one with the ducks, right? Yeah, yeah. Danny oh, DeVito's yeah. in it, From, so uh, Illumination. Yeah, Danny DeVito, one of the great voice actors of our time. <laughs> well, he is. Funny. He's funny. I mean, okay. he's, he's funny, awesome. but no, he's not a great voice actor. Uh, he's, 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 you can always tell it's a Danny DeVito. But anyway. that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's like Owen right. Wilson when Owen Wilson voices all these animated. Uh, things. Okay. <laughs> There's no effort. It's like just be you. Wow. Yeah, it's Good like job, all right. Huh? Uh, yeah, there's some great acting chops right there. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not that they feel strongly about this or anything, folks. But, no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> and you wonder why I'm so hard on Chris Pratt about his acting. <laughs> His voice acting. Oh, I mean, come on! Hey, I, speaking of him, did you see? Did you see the trailer for Garfield? Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. were you not with this last week? No, I, I, well, I was <laughs> last week. I was like drugged out, which is why I was really off. Like I, I felt like I was underwater last last week, fellas. Yeah, no, he, he was sick. So yeah, trailer that voice oh. terrible. Yeah, it's oh. the worst. Well, yeah, and the worst thing is that Bill Murray's actually in the movie. All right, Tony. Uh, we got our big interview with Mr. Justin Grutch coming up. So uh, a lot of movies. I forgot to add in uh, the promo for everything that he did. Uh, he was uh, worked on a Fantastic Four, too. So. Ooh. Yeah, so he's... The first Fox one or the, the uh, legendary or the fan uh, Comic-Con one? Uh, the Comic-Con okay. one, I think. No, the whichever one was the uh, last one that, that didn't have the... Uh, uh, Jessica Silver Alba, Surfer. Yeah, that would be Fantastic. Oh. oh, that was that. Oh, that was the Josh Trank one where he like yeah. totally dogged it right before it released. Yeah, yep. that did well. <laughs> yeah. well. I'm not shooting. I'm not shooting on the guest. The guest is fantastic. I'm just saying what Trank did to his movie before that really didn't do it any favors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, That's all I meant by that. All right, so all right, sir. We'll be and we'll so we'll be back top of the hour break next, uh, week. next week. We'll talk to you, sir, and it'll be our last conversation with you this year. For a while. All right. All right. Later, guys. See you. Later.
Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. And our next guest has been a writer on 16 Projects, a producer on 16 Projects, directed 14, an actor in 27, and has done additional crew services on 36. Such projects included Project Power, Alex and Me, Geostorm, Claws, Scream the television series, The Future is Slow Coming, Fantastic Four, Banshee the TV series, Occult the TV movie, The Loft, The Prince, the list goes on and on. Mr. Justin Grutch, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Um, you are very proud to be from the city of New Orleans in, in um, Louisiana, correct? Correct. Yeah, I live I live, uh, lived here my whole life, uh, for the most part. Okay. Uh, yeah. um, I got a little... Um, New Orleans story for you, sir. <laughs> so uh, I'm a musician. Um, when I released my second album, I was tasked with doing a radio station promotional tour, um, which took me through like 12 states in the South. I started out in Dallas, um, Texas, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth area. I did like Dallas, San Antonio, um, Austin, and had to swing over through Houston, Baton Rouge. I ended up in New Orleans. On an October the 13th, it was a full moon, um, Fourth, fr- there was some music festival thing going on, so there was like 250 bands there. It was nuts. Um, and a, that city really does not require anything to have a party. Um, the, the Fourth Quarter Festival was going on uh, at the same time, or um, the, French Quarter Festival or yeah, something like French that? Yeah, the French Quarter Festival. Yeah, it seems like there's a festival for you know, everything. Every <laughs> yeah, there's like 400 something festivals that that they fit in all year. For yeah. 365 days, they got 400 festivals going on, and they're um, always adding more. You have a <laughs> you know, uh, any anything you can come up with, you know, a reason to have a festival for, you know, I, they, they they try to cover it. I gotta say, Louisiana has the worst roads in the United States. <laughs> they yeah. really do. It's because they're no, always I, parading I on them. I agree, especially New Orleans. Oh. New Orleans, I think, is, is probably one of the worst that I've that I've ever experienced. I, oh, me too. I have been coast to coast nine times. That is the only place I have ever had to get a taxi. And <laughs> yeah. I, we were trying to find a place to get to our hotel so that we could attend the uh, the events there and everything. I, I, we were using GPS, and it actually said "No habla Creole," and, it, and we couldn't get to our hotel. When we finally got there, I was like, "Look, I'm like, dude, we seriously need to get a cab. I am not going to try and drive around this city. I will get yeah, lost." It, <laughs> yeah, it can be on top of the, the potholes and all. It can also be confusing to drive if you've never been around the way things are laid out. Oh yeah. Uh, so I, the funny thing is, I finally found a cab driver that didn't have maps in his front seat. <laughs> so, and I, I said, "Dude, I will give you forty dollars if you come back and get us." <laughs> I'll give you forty now and a, for another forty if you come back and get us. And he's like, "Okay." And he did. And he goes in, "Dude, take my demo tape with you and give this to somebody." I'm like, "All right, yeah." So his demo tape, his demo tape ended up somewhere in Georgia because there was a, the, one of the radio stations. I had to go to was like one of those big old seven story like business mm-hmm. buildings 
with like a radio station on every level. So his 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 uh, demo tape ended his demo CD ended up at one of their one of those uh, on one of those floors. But <laughs> well, it, at least at least he got something out of it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, the worst roads I've ever been in. So, but but uh, I, man, you know the cowboy hat that I wear at events mm-hmm. that we go to. Yeah. That's where I got my hat. Okay. Oh. So it all ties into the show somehow. I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was born and everything here. I actually almost left uh, left here, moved away for for film like fifteen to twenty years ago. So it's been a while, and I actually got to stay here because things picked up and it got busy. So I just started working, and I've moved around a few times. Been to, you know California, Texas, Alabama, you know a few places uh, for film, but you know ninety a good ninety five percent. Of, uh, of everything, you know, for the most part, I, I've been able to remain here and, and shoot it in the New Orleans area. Well, that's nice. awesome. Keep everything local. That's always a good thing. That's what I kind of yeah. try and do with my radio show as well. Um, but when I do have people like yourself come on, I do like to try and, you know, lasso you guys into uh, coming up here to the uh, Carson City area, if you ever think about, uh, you know, because uh, we have a lot to offer as far as uh, filmmakers when coming up here. But We'll be talking about that later on. Right now, uh, the big thing is, is that on December 15th, uh, you have your new film coming out. It is called Zero Hour. Um, Correct. It's going to be coming out on December 15th. And that is going to be uh, pretty much out everywhere. Um, You've got a lot of places. It's going to be out on Amazon, Tubi, Vudu, Google Play, YouTube Movies, Plex. Ooh, you do TV? You do you do. Yeah, there's there's a bunch, there's a few that I that I need to actually look into a little bit more because I haven't really, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That nowadays there's so many different apps and stuff that you can get. So it's you know I guess it's good and bad. I, you know, it's sometimes it's like, geez, how many movies can be made? You know, with all these different apps and all these different streaming services. But then it also gives the ability for people to get their work out there and uh, you know and have it seen much easier than you know say so twenty years ago. So the brief um, one-sentence synopsis for the film, a young woman realizes she is being stalked and hunted by those responsible for her husband's death. It is being billed as a mystery and a thriller. Um, We did get a chance to have a copy sent to us by um, uh, Coast Entertainment uh, for uh, the promotion of the film. Um, So we did get to view it. Yes. Um, Yes. Very interesting plot. Um, I, I do have to say, um, very interesting twist at the end as well that I'm not going to give away. Um, I, uh, usually I do, I don't care about spoilers, but in this case, you know, I have you on, on here and I don't want to give it away. Um, so, but, uh, I do want to, I, I am curious all the, so the intro of the movie, um, with all of the air drone aerial footage and everything like that, is that yeah. New Orleans? Because it kind of I couldn't tell with the location. That is right outside. I don't know if you if you went outside of New Orleans at all, but uh, right next door is Metairie, uh, which is a, a completely different world and type of, of city. You know, New Orleans is more of the historical, you know, older you know city that everyone knows, and then Metairie is right next door. You know where the suburbs are um, oh. and. That street right there is like one. It's Causeway. It's one of the main roads that shoots through Metairie. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Causeway Bridge, mm-hmm. uh, the the like twenty four, twenty five, or whatever it is mile bridge that crosses over mm-hmm. Lake Pontchartrain. Uh, but it's it's right there, about a block or two down the street from the the building that we shot at. Yeah. Uh, and I think at one point, uh, if not still, I think at one point it, that that bridge was like the longest bridge over a body of water uh, yeah. in the world. At the at the, at the expense of uh, of uh, exposing my sheltered nerdiness, the only time I've ever heard of that was on NCIS New Orleans. 
Really? <laughs> uh, no, I did not know any of that info. Actually, my only my only experience because I was only there for that uh, for that promotional tour. So I was kind of in there, did the whole thing with the in, on the that Friday the thirteenth, and we we're on the road again uh, Saturday night. Yeah, so, we'll say that yeah. it's a beautiful city, though. It, it was. I mean, I I was literally up for like that whole time. Because uh, you guys know me, I live off of coffee, so yes. I was up the whole time, <laughs> and so I, you know, but we did not leave the New Orleans area. You know, the taxi driver would not go straight far. So yeah, <laughs> well, the airport, uh, the airports in Kenner, they they say New Orleans because it's also like ten minutes from downtown. So you have Kenner, then you have Metairie, then you have New Orleans. So you you drove through probably Metairie and all and didn't even realize it when you were first getting there. Okay. Uh, well, you know, whether you drove or whether you you know you were being driven uh you, know, you have to pass through like metairie and all on the interstate to get to, oh. to the city okay fair enough from baton rouge uh baton rouge is actually the other direction uh, see because yeah. we we drove from baton rouge into new orleans yeah, actually oh yeah yeah so actually new yeah later this year Say yeah again. if you're if you're driving from baton rouge yeah you pass through everything you pass through kenner and uh and metairie right there as you you know before you get to new orleans okay well yeah didn't just drove through and didn't really pay much attention then so, yeah, but that's that's where we shot it. Though we shot we shot a good ninety nine percent of the movie uh, right there along that same street uh, in Metairie. Um, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's the main road, and then that's where you have all the bigger buildings and stuff. That's what I really wanted, so that's why we went there. So, so I've been always been fascinated with the uh, filmmaking uh, aspect of it, especially with the cinematography of it. Um, so, with the shots that were inside the bar, um, were that was that also drone or? Just out of curiosity, that was this little uh, this little mobile wheel thing that uh, that my DP had uh, that he would hop on and you control it uh, with your feet. Uh, there's no handles or anything like that. Hmm. So you know he was actually maneuvering around on that a lot, not just at the bar, but you know at a lot of other uh, points in the movie too, where you see like long flowing shots through hallways mm-hmm. and you know following behind her or whatever the case is. We we use that little. I don't even know what you call it. Scorsese shot, as a lot of people would call it. Oh, I loved it, though. Yeah, I loved it. It was able to maneuver all over the place. Well, yeah, and uh, actually, uh, you used this kind of weird uh, fisheye lens thing when you were doing that to, like, go into flashbacks and stuff. That was actually really kind of clever, cinematography speaking. Yeah, yeah, trying to just uh, differentiate between the, you know, between the two. And I know a lot of movies at times will cut back and forth, and you've got to kind of see the points on... You know, wait, was that just a flashback, or where are we? Or, you know, you right. also have where you put something yeah. on the screen that says, you know, six months later or a year before or whatever. You know, rather than do any of that, I figured to do, you know, try to do something to it'll just insinuate in people's heads when mm-hmm. they see it, uh, that they're maneuvering back and forth. Well, yeah, and, and I, I like that definite uh, signal because, uh, like, uh, they're, uh, even, you know, big blockbuster movies, when they go into flashbacks, it takes you a minute to actually realize you're in a flashback and not just in the yeah. next scene. So I, I like that little cue that told the audience, told the audience, hey, you're going into a flashback here. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'd like to do also, like, with the going towards the faces and then, you know, coming out the other side and that type of stuff. I like to... I like to have fun with it, you know, with the shots when you're when you're entering one scene from another. So you worked on a lot of movies that have been uh, c- 
categorize, you can categorize as uh, the big uh, blockbuster type of movies, um, whether it be the Twilight Saga or um, Green Lantern or the Fantastic Four. Um, did you do you consider those pretty much as like learning experiences that you can uh, kind of uh, you know build towards uh, what you're doing with uh, your your own company as far as uh, doing the pre-production on uh, um, some big uh, productions that you have coming out in tw- in 2024. Yeah, yeah. Well, I started off, um, you know, with luckily when I did get into it, you know, way back when uh, the first uh, I did several things, but the first two big, big ones were uh, Deja Vu and Curious Case of Benjamin Button um, that I was on for a good like two, two and a half years of my life. And then from there, I, you know, was lucky enough to continue on into other areas, other big films. But throughout the entire process, I really wanted to, you know, my main focus was eventually I want to do my own stuff. Uh, you know, so when COVID and all and the lockdowns happened, I took that opportunity to really start focusing more uh, on my stuff, you know, and, and kind of breaking away from all those other movies. And it actually helped out a little bit in a way, you know, because I was able to, to move on. Every time you're working on another movie, you know, a bigger movie, you know, whether it be four months, six months, nine months or whatever, you know, you're working anywhere from 12 to 16 hour days, you know, for months and months. So by the time when it's over, all you really want to do is just take it easy for a bit. And then next thing you know, you're jumping on something else. So that was my my issue then. Uh, so when COVID and all locked down, I was able to finally, you know, break that and say I'm going to start focusing on my stuff. And, yeah, we shot uh, Zero Hour last year. comes out Friday. And um, I'm hoping to start up the next one, uh, the next movie, uh, either in uh, mid-January, maybe up to early February as uh, the current aim. Yeah, so how long was the shoot for Zero Hour? Uh, it was just under three weeks. Oh, wow. That's, that's some efficient filmmaking. Well, but yeah, he was also no, the no. director, so well, even yeah, though the filming helps, yeah. ends, the post-production with the director is uh, 20 hours a day oh, yeah. for the next three months. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's been a year-long <laughs> process between, you know, we had, we had about... A little about two or so, two to three weeks of pre-production, and then a few weeks or just under a few weeks of shooting, and then there was another like six to eight months of post-production, uh, and then after that, as you know, I started jumping out into the distribution world and spent a few months running through those, uh, and now you know here we are about you know, a year and a quarter later uh, with it coming out. Joy. So what, um, without violating any of those pesky NDAs, uh, what do you have uh, coming up next? Because looking at uh, IMDb, uh, you have uh, coming up uh, Black Friday and Reaper's Night as uh, yes. two that are in Great pre-production. Great titles of nothing else. Yeah. I know. We have, uh, we have well, Reaper's Night uh, was the one I was really focusing on before uh, the strikes and all happened with SAG and the WGA and all, and that shut everything down for a while. Uh, so while that was happening, I started looking into some of, you know, a few smaller ones of mine. Uh, right now I have Ritus. Uh, it's probably looking like that'll be the next one to, to proceed. That's the one I'm hoping to proceed within a month or so. Uh, so Ritus is like a psychological, supernatural style, um, you know, confined also, just like the way Zero Hour is, where it's confined in a, an office building. Uh, Ritus is that same type of, of setup, but a completely different world. So Ritus, and then Reaper's Night, I'm hoping to do after that. And Mr. Gretsch, I only have about 30 seconds until I have to take a hard break. Uh, can I hold you over for another segment? Can you believe, yeah, that's fine. Can you believe it's already been 20 minutes? <laughs> no, really, no. Time flies when you're on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, So we're on the phone right now with Mr. Justin Gretsch. He is the director, writer, producer of the film 
Zero Hour, which is going to be released worldwide this, I think it's Friday, December 15th. Correct. Uh, on most streaming services. You can go and check it out. Uh, you can also find him on the Facebook. And we'll be back. If you have any questions regarding uh, movie making in general, you can jump on the line, 775-515-4141 from anywhere in the world. And we'll be back with more with Justin Gurch, Grutch right after this. So don't go anywhere. More Pop Culture Boom Radio Show coming up next. And welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. On the phone with us right now is Justin Grutch. And he is having his film released this Friday, December 15th. It is called Zero Hour. It is going to be on about 90% of the streaming services out there, I think. Oh, yeah. It is definitely <laughs> a wide net. And so it is called Zero Hour, and I highly recommend going and checking it out. Uh, Spencer and I got to uh, review it um, from courtesy of Coast Entertainment. And, uh, sir, uh, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. So, Rit, right, Ritus, is that how you pronounce uh, it? Ritus, yes. Yes. is going to be the next film you're going to be working on, a sci-fi uh, horror film, it sounds like, right? Correct, yeah, psychological, uh, somewhat horror thriller uh, with a little mystery to it. And you're going to start filming for that in January. Um, Hopefully, yeah, January, February is the aim at the moment. Have you already started doing the uh, casting for it? Is the uh, script ready? Or yeah, yeah, the script's ready, my crew uh, is on hold, and uh, most of the cast is in talks just need to finalize, you know, the, the paperwork and all, but we're, we're almost there to the point that, you know, hopefully once we get through the holidays, we can get all that done. Okay. Awesome. Uh, any expected uh, release date for that one at this point or not yet? Uh, hopefully, you know, the perfect world, I'd love to try to get it out before the end of the year, but knowing how long things can take, you know, uh, I would say maybe late 2004, uh, 2024 rather, uh, at, at the you know, earliest, uh, if not, probably sometime in 2025. Any plans for that one as far as, uh, like, possibly hitting the uh, uh, film festival circuit? or? Um... I'm thinking about it. Uh, I haven't really decided just yet. I have kind of talked to a few distributors, uh, you know, earlier on beforehand um, with, with a little bit of interest here and there from a few of them. Um, so I'm waiting to see how things are going to play out, you know, once we get production out of the way and a few of these distributors who are interested check it out. And I'll probably make make the decision then on whether I I just proceed straight uh, straight into distribution somewhere or if I actually send it out to festivals. Well, you know, just um, here in Reno, Nevada, we have uh, the Cordillera International Film Festival that happens in September, and it is one of the top 100 film festivals in the world. Yeah, no, it'd be it'd be great. There's a few areas that I would love to to hit you know nevada being one of them uh you know obviously here in new orleans you know going overseas possibly one of my uh, other guys uh he does a lot of traveling um you know overseas to all these other festivals so you know possibly even trying to jump out that way you know and go you know somewhere or even going up to what ohio or something uh you know but uh but yeah i mean we're gonna see how it goes and you know hopefully uh hopefully i'll, I'll get it you know moving as far as post-production and all goes hopefully i'll get it going um as fast as we did zero hour, because I was really happy with the pace uh, that we were able to get zero hour through. 
Okay. Um, so uh, with Zero Hour, it's coming out uh, on streaming. Any What is the plans after uh, its uh, streaming run? Is it going to be released on a DVD or... Uh, yeah, that's the, I'm looking into DVD distribution actually right now, uh, talking about that. First, the big my big focus is just getting it out onto the streaming services with a follow-up for DVDs. Um, so I'm hoping in the coming months uh, I'll have something together with an actual DVD release. Okay. Um, so after this and after uh, Redis, <clears throat> uh, you have uh, planned uh, with the uh, Black Friday and Reaper's Night. Um, it sounds like a standalone type of movies. Um, anything kind of in the works as far as a, uh, a franchise type IP? Because um, like I said, you've, your career has uh, been, you've worked on a lot of blockbusters. Has any yeah. of that rubbed off on you to where you've kind of like got the bug to branch out into something that's kind of grandiose in scale? Yeah, there, there's one called Race that I've been working at for several years now uh that one you know on a big budget bigger budget scale uh that the idea is i've actually already kind of developed a sequel to it and all and i haven't even done the first one yet (laughs) with the idea of you know where it'll go for part three so for that one specifically uh my hope is to possibly you know pull a trilogy you know or or who knows franchise you know go, go, go even further with it um but um yeah that one i am looking more of a bigger scale uh, and hopefully, you know, once I get the next couple out of the way, you know, sometime in the next year or two, I can actually put a lot of my focus back towards that one. Okay, so you're just looking for somebody to kind of financially back that one pretty much to get it to Yeah, I mean, it's a mixture. I have, have some finance guys, and then it also comes about, you know, comes to deal with cast and who you're going to get and, you know, who you can afford, who you can't, you know, how much you have to, you know, in the budget to, to go towards the cast compared to everything else. Uh, so it's really just put, putting all those pieces together um, and, you know, seeing where we go. I, I actually was casting race about, about a year and a half to two years ago. Uh, and then after, you know, that, that went along and we got most of it cast, uh, I made the decision after the fact when I started working on some other films to actually redo it. Uh, so I just recently started dipping back into race, too, and looking into to cast possibilities for that one. Okay. And so the, that's pretty much the big one. I will... Yeah, I, I, there's so many questions I want to ask about that one, but I, yeah. I, I know I can't. <laughs> it's another, it's another psychological, you know, makes makes the audience messes with their mind, makes them think, uh, type situation where you know you don't know you don't know if what you're watching is you know what you're really watching. You don't know what the next turn's going to be. It's, like I know I have the twists and stuff in Zero Hour, but Race, you know, that type of movie takes it to a whole other extreme where it really starts to mess with everyone's mind throughout the entire story. Yeah, so um, with your production company, in addition to doing all uh, these movies, uh, are you also going to be uh, dipping into uh, television as well? Like like you worked on the Scream TV series. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be against it. It's not something I've jumped, jumped for yet, but, you know, down the road, uh, you know, I have some interest. Uh, TV is always a different world than movies because you're always, you know, it's episodic, especially in all your, your, your prepping one episode while you're shooting another and wrapping a third. So it's like a... It's a process, especially if you have like a season that has, you know, two dozen episodes, give or take. You know, it's it's a long. You know, movies can be long in themselves, but TV has a whole other world where you know you're you're constantly doing stuff because of the, the you know, doing series uh, episode after episode. Yeah, yeah constantly in in uh, like two to two to three different phases of uh, episodes as you go along. Yeah, it's like while you're you know while you're say prepping episode three, you know, you're shooting. 
uh, episode two and you're wrapping episode one, you know, so you're constantly and writing moving. episode four. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, writing the following episode. So it's a, it's a constant moving train. Now, that's what, you know, what Scream was when I did the TV show for that. You know, you're, you're constantly, it's not just one script you're focusing on. You're focusing on anywhere from 12 to 24 scripts, you know, because they're constantly changing and they're writing the next episode. Or, yeah, so it, it can definitely become a whole different world apart from movies. So uh, each individual part um, has its own reward. So in your mind, I, I know that it, it being multifaceted has its benefits and it's also its downfalls. Uh, but in, in your mind, uh, what when What's more, what do you find to get the most satisfaction out of? Is it acting, writing, or directing? I think, I think it's kind of a, it's a close comparison between uh, directing and writing. Uh, just one, like, you know, the ability to, to come up with a, a full-on story, and, you know, out of your head and, you know, come up with something and write something that has literally, you know, come out of your mind. And then directing, the fun part about that is then you get to actually take that, you know, information that you came out with and put it to screen. Uh, so I think, you know, I would say probably even writing, you know, followed by directing in a way just because writing is where it all begins. And has uh, each kind of helped you with the other? I mean, as far as, you know, <laughs> writing, uh, going into the directing aspect, has that made you a better writer and being uh, being a, and writing? Has that made you a better director? Yes. I mean, it's it's. Definitely, you're, I mean, like, when you're writing it, you know, the way I am, at least, you're picturing, you know, I start seeing the actual movie in my head, you know, especially when I'm going back through and doing rewrites, a new draft of the script, to where by the time it comes, that point to actually put it on screen, uh, you know, it's a lot of that, that information's already in my head to where I know where I want to go, whether it be like the shot and how the shot's going to be done or the location, you know, and what type of setting it has to be in. You know, a lot of that is ongoing in, in, in the head while I'm writing the information down on paper. So it, it kind of goes hand in hand, but I, I think I think that they do help, you know, one another with that aspect. If someone was looking to get into the entertainment industry, um, say like, you know, they're fresh out of, you know, take drama class in high school, but they're, you know, so they're kind of fresh to the whole experience. What would be the best way for somebody to approach, you know, like the uh, film industry as a whole? The best, I mean, the easiest, you know, way to get in is always understand, you know, you got to start somewhere, you know, so a lot of people just want to jump in, you know, to the top of the top, and you really have to start at some point below that and then work your way up. And then from there, it's, it's the connections and the friends that you make, you know, as you work from thing to thing, you meet new people, you know, you become, you know, friends with some of those people, whether it's a brief friendship or, you know, a lifelong friendship that develops, uh, you know, it's always good to just keep on making those connections and, you know, talking to people through not just specific areas of film, but, you know, throughout every single department uh, and just kind of getting your name out there, you know, and, and once, once it really starts to take off from there, you know, it's, it's a much, uh, much easier flowing process. All right, sir. Well, um, I appreciate you coming on and talking about zero hour in your career, and I wish you the best of luck and much success with zero hour. And uh, when Rittus, Rickus, Rittus, Rittus, yes, is don't take it personally. He has a history. I, of, I do. Uh, no, it's just, just to be honest. I mean, I've pronounced it wrong a few times. And, and, <laughs> and, and, well, and, yeah, as you maybe want to change that name. <laughs> <laughs> But um, when that's uh, available, I'd love to have you come back on and talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this time next year, I'll you know have whether it's coming out distributing, you know, or whether it's 
you know, doing something else. And I'm hoping by this time next year, it'll at least be together, you know, and ready to ready to go. So yeah, definitely. All right, sir. Well, you have a good evening, sir. You have a good holiday season and a very fruitful 2024. You as well. Thank you so much. All right. And if you want to go and check it out, Zero Hour will be out this Friday, December 15th on all majority of the streaming services. I'm sure your favorite one will be one of them. Yes, definitely. So go and check it out. Zero Hour from Justin Grutch and his company, Grutch Entertainment. Uh, Sir, you have a good holiday season and a, a very fruitful 2024. You too. Thank you. All right. So, um, well, you and I got to check it out, uh, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think of uh, Zero Hour? Well, um, it, 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 I have to say it wasn't one of my favorite movies, but it, it was actually, I, I was very impressed by the, by the directing, the directing and the shots, especially like the drone shots. And like I said, that fisheye thing that he did for flashbacks, that was actually pretty clever. Um, and uh, I did like that he kind of teased that there being supernatural elements in the, through it, and then and then uh, and then it went to a uh, went to the twist at the end. Very interesting twist at the end. I mean, uh, yeah. you did not see that. You really didn't see that coming. No, I didn't. I, I can definitely say I didn't. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so if you want to know what we're talking about, you're gonna have to watch the movie. So, because I am not gonna spoil this one. So, okay. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, I do appreciate that. You know, he, he that this was his baby from from beginning to end. So, you know, I, I have to. You have to appreciate somebody who has his own, you know, creative control through the whole process. Very true. Uh, so and I thought he did a really good job. So if you want to go and check it out again, Zero Hour will be out. He is on the Facebook uh, when he and his, so is his company, Grutch Entertainment. So when they post, I do will be posting it to the Pop Culture Kaboom Facebook page to share the information. So Netflix has renewed their reality series based on the hit drama Squid Game for a second season titled Squid Game The Challenge. The show show sees regular non-actor contestants competing in various tasks in the hopes of taking home a 4.56 million reward. There was no red light in our decision to greenlight season two of Squid Game The Challenge. Womp, 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 womp. The most ambitious unscripted show we've premiered at Netflix, Brandon Rigg, Netflix VP of nonfiction series, said, We're so excited to continue the franchise of Squid Game with our team in Korea and producers at Studio Lambert and The Garden for the this epic competition series. Netflix is further expanding the world of the show with Squid Game The Trials, a live fan experience starting December 6th in Los Angeles. That already started. Guests will be transported into the iconic Squid Game universe by participating in six fun, immersive, and competitive engagements as seen in... Yeah, hopefully not too too immersed. Yeah. <laughs> not too realistically immersed. Yeah. Uh, inspired by the original series, uh, there will also be a night market with themed food and beverages. Well, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Casting for season two is open now at hmm. www.squidgamecasting.com. Hmm. Yes, you can join all the other people who 
apparently regretted it from the first one. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, there's so many stories coming out now, like of the, the how bad the production was. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Particularly like in that first uh, red light, green light, there was like people who were like suffering from hypothermia and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently they did, were not given any chapstick, and so contestants were resorting to using the lubricant on the condoms they were given to put stuff on their lips to prevent their lips from chapping. While doing the red light, green light game? Through, just through the production itself. Oh. Well, oh. yeah, but through the red light, green light thing, that, that, to keep uh, the shots consistent, they weren't allowed to sit down or, <laughs> or, or put on coats if they didn't have one on already and such. Okay. I'm a little confused. I thought the whole thing was, it was supposed to be like a five-minute timer that you had to get to the finish line. Why couldn't they just, like, set up multiple camera angles and five minutes? Because it's a game. <laughs> Exactly. You got five and minutes. There's there's other things coming out too. Like apparently one of the guys who was deemed a um like one of the and why the were major they given players, condoms? I that's that's a given on any like reality show now. Like that's because, that's to prevent any yeah. STDs. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, even any competition thing from the Olympics down to yeah. reality TV shows, they hand out condoms. Yeah, whenever they like their candy. Yeah, whenever they have groups of women and men together living in close quarters. The producers need to protect themselves. <laughs> well, in more ways than one, apparently. Indeed. Okay, well, with that music, that means it's uh, time for us to take a hard break. Uh, we'll be back with more uh, protecting uh, you and your lips. Uh, pop culture. <laughs> yeah, your lips. <laughs> when the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show returns, we'll be right back. Jigaboom Radio Show, and get ready to go back to the post-apocalypse of Twisted Metal. Mm-hmm. During the 2023 Game Awards, series star and executive producer Anthony Mackie confirmed that Peacock has renewed the show for a second season. The announcement coincided with a brief teaser video released by Peacock. A release date for season two has not been set yet. Twisted Metal is a half-hour live-action TV series based on the classic PlayStation game series of the same name twisted metal is a high octane action comedy based on an original take of Rhett reese and paul warnick and written by michael jonathan smith about a motormouth outsider offered a chance at a better life but only if he can successfully deliver a mysterious package across a post-apocalyptic wasteland with the help of a badass axe-wheeling car thief he'll face savage marauders driving vehicles of destruction and other dangers of the open road, including a deranged clown who drives an all-too-familiar ice cream truck. In addition to Mackie, the Twisted Metal series also stars Stephanie Beatrice, Thomas Hayden Church, Mike Mitchell, Joe Sinoa, and Will Arnett. Didn't Will Arnett voice? Yeah, he was the voice of Sweet Tooth. Uh, And didn't Joe Sinoa? And Joe Sinoa was the body of Sweet Tooth. Yeah, so mm-hmm. but neither of them will be in season two. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I would. <laughs> well, Michael Myers got beheaded in the, what was it? Halloween H two O or Resurrection? And That's... he got better in the in the next sequel. <laughs> this isn't yeah, but this isn't Michael Myers we're dealing with. No, no, but Sweet Tooth is basically the face of the franchise. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, then his face was bouncing down the road on fire. Yep. 
So, yep. <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, well, when it gets closer, it we'll put bets on whether or not that it comes somebody back. can't take up the title as a new that, sweet tooth. That is true, but, but it will not be those two. Yeah. Apple TV Plus has renewed Foundation for a third season. Foundation adaptation of Isaac Asimov's series of sci-fi novels has quietly been one of the best sci-fi shows on television. So quiet, nobody cares. What it has been cerebral. Uh huh. Yeah, it is. Uh, That it has been relatively quiet excellence has always made its future uncertain in the minds of fans. But it seems it has drawn enough attention to earn another green light from Apple. David S. Goyer developed the series and is the showrunner responsible for turning Asimov's sprawling, generation-spanning sci-fi epic into a television series. Foundation Season 2 teased the arrival of an antagonist. Hold on a second. Eric sent me a novel. Yeah, David, David Goyer, he uh, is kind of, David Goyer is a kind of a hit and miss. He's either knocks it out of the park or he strikes out. And it sounds like this is another one he kind of hit right out the park. Uh, Although it's, quietly. It's very good. It's very cerebral. Oh, yeah. I, I cannot, Asimov is, yeah. I cannot binge watch this show at all. Like, mm-hmm. I can only watch one episode. And a lot of times I have to go, like, wait. And go back and, like, did that just, did I see that right? Did Yeah, I, I can. Some... I have to be in a really certain kind of mood for a cerebral science fiction. Mm-hmm. Very contemplative. I mean, in mood, all yeah. truth, I just finished the first season. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how long it takes me to. Yeah, yeah I didn't even know it was in existence. Mm-hmm. So, if assuming I have, assuming it's, I have Apple Plus, I'll have to give it a go. I don't have Apple Plus. Considering so the fact that it's Monarch. the novels are not in any linear fashion. At fashion, all. yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to actually make this and to give it cohesiveness is amazing in itself. Okay. Well, I, I totally lost where I was in this article. Sorry. Uh, no, no, it's not because And then, of you. oh, Eric yeah. was reading you a novel, too, or wrote oh, you yeah, a novel. Oh, and, yeah, <laughs> and, and we can still get uh, we can still get somebody to try and get the uh, answer to the, uh, yes, the trivia yeah, question. Yeah, we got 12, 12 minutes to call yeah. in if you want to try and get that trivia question. Uh, 775-501-54141. Goyer developed the series and is a showrunner responsible for... Foundation Season 2 teased the arrival of an antagonist called the Mule, who will likely play a bigger role in Foundation Season 3, challenging Harry Sheldon and his disciples. Speaking to comicbook.com during Foundation Season 2's press day, Goyer expressed that he hoped to grow the show's audience by making its sophomore outing a bit more action-packed and easily digestible than its first, hmm. which had the difficult task of building out the show's world and laying the groundwork for conflicts to come. Yeah, but Season- you don't want to go too far that way yeah. either. It's a hard balancing act. It is. Season one, as you alluded to, had a lot of exposition of, of pipe laying. There were a lot of crazy concepts that we had to explain to the audience, whether it be psychohistory itself or the concept of the foundation or the genetic dynasty all of that heavy lifting had been done by the time we got to season two season one had a number of time jumps season two largely plays out in a linear fashion there are a couple uh flashbacks but they're simply traditional flashbacks i think season two is a much easier entry point largely because we weren't burdened with the exposition and because we had more time in season two to not do exposition. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
I think we get to dig deeper into the characters. So if anything, I think the bigger challenge for season two was just wanting to broaden our audience so that we could get to 80 episodes, if that's the case. <laughs> what? Um, 80 episodes. That's going to be like eight seasons, because I think there's only like 10 per season. <coughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, and, and there, what's, let's see, for syndication back in the day, you had to hit a certain episode count. 100 episodes for wow. syndication. Wow. Okay, so... Um, yeah, so it was a very, uh, I can't pronounce that word, of uh, that when uh, I met with the writers to map out season two, how do we broaden the audience and how do we make sure that this appeals to even people that wouldn't consider themselves fans of science fiction? The uh, official synopsis for Foundation season two reads, more than a century after this season one finale, tension mounts throughout the galaxy in Foundation season two as the Cleons unravel a vengeful queen plots to de destroy empire from within. Harry Gall and S Salvor discover a colony of mentalics with sonic abilities that threaten to alter psychohistory itself. The Foundation has entered its religious phase. Uh, the Church of Sheldon throughout the Outer Reach and... The Church of Sheldon? The Church of Sheldon throughout the Outer Reach and inciting the Second Crisis War with Empire. With Empire, the monumental uh, adaptation of Foundation chronicles the stories of four crucial individuals transcending space and time as they overcome deadly crises, shifting loyalties, and complicated relationships will ultimately determine the fate of humanity. The description was complicated. And I was going to say that just sounded just as cerebral <clears throat> as the first. Season. Yes, it did. <laughs> well, okay. yeah, they, they can't. They can't make it not cerebral at all. I guess not. Not even in the synopsis. <laughs> if there is one thing movies, uh, if there is one thing movie fans love, it is Godzilla. For decades now, the massive monster has had quite the fandom, and it is only growing from film to television. You can find Godzilla just about anywhere these days and now Godzilla minus one is extending its US run after slaying box office predictions for those that don't know Godzilla minus one is now in theaters everybody knows that and a Toho company film is nothing short of masterful directed by Takashi Yamazaki Godzilla minus one has reignited interest in Japan's take on the kaiju uh, they're the ones who created the kaiju, actually. Mm -hmm. That is why the film headed to theaters last week, and is and its limited run has been extended in some locations to December 14th. As you can imagine, the team at Toho Company wants to maximize its investment in the United States. When the movie first debuted in Japan, Godzilla Minus One was met with favorable reviews from critics and fans alike. Of course, this means diehard fans in America were eager to see the film. Seems word of mouth managed to put Godzilla minus one on the map for even casual fans, and this led the movie to gross more than eleven million U.S. dollars during its U.S. opening weekend. To put the number in perspective, the U.S. opening of Godzilla minus one is now the top-grossing opening of any Japanese live-action film domestically. It also dwarfs the box office pull of the previous Toho Godzilla film back in 2016, Shin Godzilla earned rave reviews but failed to thrive in the United States. But this time around, Godzilla Minus One beats the odds to become a U.S. hit. When you consider the movie's budget, this U.S. box office haul 
becomes all the more impressive. Godzilla Minus One had a budget of $15 million and has already grossed double that worldwide. Actually, it's more than that. Uh, it's uh, actually at um, it's over, close to a billion, I think. Um, over $45 million. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's not quite making Marvel money yet. No, it, I think it was, I was reading it in the yen. Yeah, in mm. yen is like a, over a billion. Mm. Uh, so if we are lucky, this isn't the last we will have seen of Yomashaki's Godzilla. Yeah, uh, it's uh, like forty-five million. Um, so on the uh, at box office mojo, if you look it up, uh, the top one hundred films, mm-hmm. it's like at number sixty-five, I believe. So yeah, that's, it's a that's still pretty good. Yeah. You're gonna and if you want to see it, you're gonna have to see it because according to all the stuff I've read, they're not expecting it to hit like streaming services or DVD till like this time next year. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, but yeah, but, but it's definitely worth seeing on the big time. screen. Well, that's a long time, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Unless you're like Scott, who has a Region Zero <laughs> DVD player, and he'll get it straight from Japan next month. HBO and Max have signed a deal to bring A24 new releases to their streaming platforms. Deadline reports that the indie film Darling will see all of its movie head to HBO and Max after their agreement with Showtime expiring. That means hotly anticipated releases like Priscilla and The Iron Claw will make their streaming debuts on Warner Brothers Discovery's platforms. As an added bonus... Max, HBO, and Cinemax subscribers will be able to enjoy the entire A24 catalog. That's over 100 movies getting added to their those services. For a lot of the viewers out there, seeing Priscilla and the Iron Claw are getting to be the biggest draws in the first weeks on the service. Here's what the company had to say. Continuing our relationship with A24 to bring award-winning movies alongside recent fan favorites, Two subscribers adds incredible value to the HBO and Max Value proposition. Uh, Royce Battleman, EVP, Content Acquisitions, Warner Brothers Discovery, wrote in a statement, The diverse range of stories that come from the A24 pipeline make this partnership so impactful for our audience. Ooh. I don't know what else to say to that. <laughs> well, the ooh kind of covered it. That was a good punctuation. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, A24 has a bunch of films coming out next year, and those mm-hmm. films are going to be kind of uh, interesting to see them go straight to uh, that. Um, it's funny that they said that it was exclusively to Showtime because I've actually seen a bunch of their shows show oh, up on well. different streaming well, Maybe it was for like a little while, but then the exclusivity ran out, and now they're getting re-exclusive. I'm going to have to look into that and uh, make your claim there. Eric claims that uh, it's already out on Region 1 and 2 DVD and Blu-ray. Godzilla Minus 1. Mm. So... Um, so wow. the uh, God's, uh, the uh, Han Solo's uh, prop blaster prop gun from uh, the uh, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope sold at auction, breaking a world record for a prop gun. I guess how much it sold for? Uh, two million? No. Mm, Four hundred thousand? No. One point one one million fifty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. And is now into Guinness Book of World Records for 2024 for the most expensive prop gun sold at auction. Yeah, that's impressive. Congratulations, I guess. Uh, anyway, a big thank you to our guest, Justin Grutch, 
um, with all guests on the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show. Pop Culture Kaboom follows them and or likes them on Facebook, depending on what options are available. So as they post news about their projects, it is reposted on the Pop Culture Kaboom news feed. So at the very least, please make sure that you are like and follow Pop Culture Kaboom on the radio sh- Pop Culture Kaboom on the Facebook. Thank you all for tuning in tonight, and please continue supporting Pop Culture Kaboom by listening to the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show live every Sunday night. And if you missed any part of the live show, Check out the Pop Culture Kaboom podcast produced by 97 and Now Productions on your favorite podcast platform. And not only get this episode, but also previous episodes and some bonus material that'll be coming up as well. Subscribe to the Pop Culture Kaboom podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Also give a like or follow to the Pop Culture Kaboom on the Facebook for everything you want, everything you need from Pop Culture Entertainment Daily. And subscribe to the Pop Culture Kaboom YouTube channel for video interviews from events we have and will be attending. On behalf of Tony Sanfilippo, Filippo's Horrible Reviews, KNBC, Spencer, Rob, and I, thank you for your support. We will talk with you again right here live next Sunday, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern Time, anytime during the week. Great when that happens. Anytime during the week on Facebook and via email. Stay tuned for episode number 14 of Murphy's Inc. titled The Easy Way or The Hard Way. And until next Sunday, be safe, stay healthy, and peace out, Wabbits.